Hey there. Before we got started, we want to say a quick thank you to our host, Muse on Minis. For years now, Muse on Minis has been the industry leader in beautiful, high-quality tabletop accessories. From tokens to widgets to terrain and more across a wide variety of games, Muse on Minis has everything you could possibly need to complete your tabletop wargaming experience. Head to MuseOnStore.com to see what new innovations the fellas come up with next. That's MuseOnStore.com. Musing and amusing accessories for every gamer. Now on to the show. I'm Jesse. I'm Chris. I'm Stephen. Okay, uh, and we're joined today on a very special episode by uh, the winning WTC team, Team Australia Frilled Neck Lizards. How are you going, boys? Going well, very well. Good match. Thanks for having us. Very good. Thanks for coming on. You know, it means a lot. Uh, you guys were a horse in the race, and uh, I don't think that was a secret. <laughs> we were pretty adamantly back to you guys, and I hope it, I'm, I'm glad we didn't curse you. So, congratulations on a job well done. Uh, we watched your um, journey every step, and it was pretty awesome. So, good on, good on you, boys. Yeah, thanks for that. It was it was interesting because we <clears throat> and we we're kind of talking a little bit before about potential teams in isolation, and uh, because of the pandemic, and we just really didn't know where kind of everyone else is, and. Um, We'll obviously get more into it as 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 we talk. But one awesome thing for us is all that preparation and stuff that we did. And you and you never know if you're doing the right thing, if you're doing too much, if you're doing too little. Um, and for us, obviously, it it paid off. So we obviously have some idea what we're doing. Um, but uh, but yeah, there was definitely a few nerves, particularly from myself, leading into it about you know in terms of making sure you know there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, not only pressure, but we were obviously perceived to be the favourites, which um, I think we handled pretty well. I didn't expect it, um, but then the results spoke for themselves. Don't want to sound too big-headed, but uh, I don't think anyone else in any other history of WTC had a record of uh, twenty-eight and two. So we we're very no, proud of that. Huge yep. accomplishment. Well done, guys. Yep. Yeah. We were actually trying to figure it out. The year America won, they had a they had a cracker, but I think it was five rounds. I can't can't remember. Yeah, it was six. It was six rounds. Um, um, America was. I six think they four. had a. I think they had a yeah, six rounds. <clears throat> no, it was six. No, no, no. Um, uh, it, the reason it was, was six. six. <clears throat> it was definitely six. And the I think we think of James the 2013 WTC was 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 five rounds. 
Yeah, I think you're uh, right. Of, yeah, sorry. no, you're exactly right. But um, yeah. unfortunately, even if they did go 28 and 2, uh, Finger of God has uh, tarnished that. So. <laughs> 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 told you guys, the actual plan should have been I should have just dropped all of my gains and gone and made the stream better. Yes. And uh, then, yes, uh, you guys still would have carried us through. Yeah. Oh, shit. Speaking of, <clears throat> speaking of the stream, mate, we've got a plan next year. It's in Copenhagen. And so, you know, there's a great opportunity for James to fly over there and take Ricky. And James, you know, can can commentate. I mean, I know I'd love to listen to James for six rounds. So Absolutely. It, it'd be I'm, I'm going to be there. And there are two Americans that have a podcast that I would really love to hear commentate. So it would be really good to get Keith and Nigel on the on the. <laughs> I agree. What are you talking about, James? Clearly the best co-commentator is going to be your fiance because she'll have no idea what's going on, which oh. was being established is not a problem. And then she can go like, all right, what's that idiot doing, James? He looks boring. Move on. What's the next guy doing? <laughs> How about others? Thank- I'd to cut that out. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Chris. You know, yeah. just set the world on fire, mate. Under the bus. Cheers, uh, Chris. Hey, hey, hey! I told you, I'm a host of this podcast. Apparently, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. it's. Uh, I think it's time that we say that uh, the views of Chris Davies is purely of Chris Davies and doesn't uh, reflect the rest of the team. Yeah, I think I agree. I agree. agree. (laughs) Uh, We should also point out now that uh, the MVP of the event is not here, Mr. Jack Ding. Uh, We don't know if he's going to pop in, but he is the only uh, team member missing. So everybody else is here. How does it feel having three six and no players on a team? Pretty neat. Yeah, well, pretty uh, shit for the two people that went five and one. Exactly. Right? You fucking losers! <laughs> Jesus Christ! The guys that went that lost and dropped the game. Uh, you dropped the ball, man. <laughs> yeah. I I actually, the opposite feeling. No Australia victory, so I had to carry Whaley through the last one. This one felt a bit more even. <laughs> <sighs> actually, felt the opposite fair. in that because of the six, because we had so many six and O's, you know. Low stress, just can carry games, throw games. It doesn't matter. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> See, where I was playing the long game, I thought if um, you know, if we had a perfect WTC, then you know, to give myself a bit of a carrot, maybe in three or four years' time. I thought if I just drop this strategic game, then we've got something to aim for. If we all get the <laughs> band back together in a few years' time, so just thinking ahead. Thinking ahead. Yeah, that's <clears throat> good plan, Wayne. Really good plan, buddy. Two games of improvement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, we definitely did appreciate all your support we could uh feel it coming through the social media and you guys run a great show so definitely Thanks. appreciate it throughout the year no worries. of course i had to support my protege could, who else am i going to throw my weight against you know nobody well i'm sure uh, david potts appreciates that mate you know carrying a scorn flag with you buddy so i picked, yeah. him, I picked him to go six and oh all right he was my choice <laughs> there you go yes well it's so well I, we obviously were we're very much <clears throat> uh, rooting for our other Australian teams. Um, just quickly, uh, as we know, we travel a long way from Australia, and one of our, which I, which I think is is very um, important and also key to some of our recent success we've had in the years. <clears throat> this also goes back to twenty. Well, sorry, from when Australia was started to travel when it was the ETC a long time ago. There's a lot of time and effort involved, and we don't fly in. A couple of days beforehand, we we make a bit of a, a bit of a vacation holiday of it, um, mm-hmm. getting some sightseeing. But it also really helps with the team morale and team camaraderie. And uh, for us, because there's you know anywhere between twenty four hours to thirty two hours travel, um, if you include layovers and all that kind of stuff involved, 
to 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 get over jet lag. But um, I know our our preparation week um, is heaps of fun for us as well. Helps helps um, fine fine tune games, um, get over the nerves, brings everyone together. And um, for us, obviously, we just we we, we want to uh, extend our thanks publicly to our other two Australian teams because they're just as much a part of this journey. Um, and you know, some some of us played um, anywhere between you know twelve to to, to fourteen or, or more games in that week leading up, um, as well as our as well as our um, camp we did uh, back in August, which was good, and all those online games, all that um, all that collaboration between teams, getting those reps in, um, it all certainly counts, and it all is a great reflection of us as a as a as a country, and they're they're part of this journey and should also tip their hat and the work that they did uh, certainly helped us achieve what we wanted to achieve so uh, massive thanks to those other two Australian teams and and those other 10 guys Uh, quick question do you guys think like um, do you think team chemistry has like a big uh, I don't know what the word is impact maybe on your success you know absolutely absolutely we um yeah, I think it's taking nothing away from those other teams, um, but I just think for us in particular, because um, <clears throat> we know each other so well, um, and I think the way that that not not only are we um, very good war machine players, but make a very good team. But outside the game, we also are very good friends as well. I mean, I think that shows in the fact that you're going to travel with someone for that many days, and for us staying in hostels and and pretty shared accommodation and things like that. Um, and it just brings people closer together. And then also in a team environment when you're playing, I know that me personally, and I'm sure the other guys as well, you feed off each other's energy. Um, you can obviously have a look to the left and the right and see how your buddies are going. Um, and it all just helps with the – I think it's a very key part of being in a team environment. Um, and, uh, you know, we obviously benefit from that. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's very important for us. So, yeah, you know, I'm just going to say now we, we've long held that Australia is the greatest war machine uh, playing country in the world, and I think now it's, you guys got the triple crown that uh, it's solidified until somebody comes and takes that. So, congrats to both the other teams too. I think they they performed pretty well. I know uh, Gigantor's team didn't quite reach the goals they had they had set, but that's all right. You know, not everybody can can get that high, and there's a lot of good play out there. Absolutely, and just t- and just touching on that, I mean, for them, um, I I just want to highlight that their team dynamics, because of unfortunately personal life and other bits and pieces, they their their roster cycled quite heavily. So, mm. um, and there were some recent changes as well. So, a massive hats up to those. And we had, which is exciting for Australia, is I'd like to say, or just focus on them for a second. I'd say, in the in the next short term, the next the next wave of Australian talent, you know. <clears throat> definitely Ian and Alex in that team. Um, you know, it was their first WTC. Those guys went extremely well. They're just amazing people. Um, and for us in the future, hoping that they're the guys that are going to be carrying the banner for us. Um, and uh, it'll be exciting to see their progression in the next couple of years, assuming that they are, are able and willing to to go. And, uh, you know, m- maybe a couple of guys from our team or a couple of guys from Potsy's team if take a bit of time off and if they get the excitement again, um, and then for me, for me personally, you know, maybe sometime in the future, you know, there's just great potential for us. And that's, you know, exciting for those n- next wave of guys coming through. 
So, as you said, unfortunately, they probably didn't get where they wanted to, but they still did an amazing showing for a couple of first WTCs for those guys and just the way their team came together. So super, super. And they had a bit of a, they had a blast as well. Like, they were uh, quite, like, they were pretty stoked to be there. And I really actually was quite happy, like, quite just both happy and really impressed by the effort they put in, especially because Alex and um, Ian were both late ringings as Whaley got into, and they really pulled their weight. It was quite actually really fun to see. So, yeah, I reckon next time they'll have a right old crack of it. As long as Alex doesn't do more meme shit. Sorry, not Alex. Ian doesn't do more meme shit and brings more hooch haulers. Unless, like, I don't know, Mark IV. Who knows what hooch haulers are going to look like? That is a lie, Chris. That model is fantastic when Ian <laughs> uses it. I'm just a bit sad. Like, I kind of recognize why he did it, but I was still sad to see that Borka double hooch haller list go the way before like oh my god can you imagine him going over bringing those damn things all the way to europe and then killing people with them man I, that, I, my round one opponent uh the french guy i think his name was fabian his off list was borka two with two hoochollers and i'm like oh, man. <laughs> yeah he didn't play it unfortunately but um it would have been yeah, <laughs> he did it because we had Oh, I think we oh, lost Chris there for a second. I'm just going to bring it back no, no. to Jesse's question for a second there, though. Um, so on just on team chemistry, uh, it was really good to see. Like, it's a big trip for the Australians, no matter which way you cut it, because it's a day and a half each way to get there. So it takes out a big chunk of our holidays as well, and we, we make a big thing of it. But Josh's team, um, they were, like, really travelling together well as well. They would see the sights. They would go out for dinner always. They were just – you could tell they were really gelling that their friendship was getting stronger, and I think that helped in in the event as well. Uh, and exactly the same goes for the other teams as well. Like, we had Barcelona for half a week afterwards. Um, I know Potsy and, and uh, Dan continued to travel together. So I think those – that those sort of team bonding exercises are actually a strength of the uh, geographical challenges that we face. <laughs> yeah, because that is something that's pretty understated, right? That, I mean, you guys are all over the map, kind of, in Australia. Like how, how, Moops, you're kind of on an island, I, th I think, right? You're on, you're on your own a little bit. And, I mean, Whaley's literally on an island out there. I am. I am. <clears throat> yeah, we are. I, I mean, you were trolling for a second, but no, you're exactly right. So I live in the, in the capital, which is like, it's not like... Um, a big it's actually not a big city in australia so yeah uh yeah but it, we're all within you know half a day's drive or flight of each other uh it's just the the unfortunate ben leapers and aaron thompson's of the world who are over in perth and colin hills get them back in mark four they're coming back in for sure definitely be preaching to the choir <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh should we uh crack off you guys want to talk a bit about more about your traveling or you guys want to get into uh how you guys made your matrix, which I think Moops, you posted that. It was pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I, we, talked, we talked a bit about travel. So maybe maybe going to, to the, uh, the grid. What do you think, Well, Yeah, I think that's good. We, um, from our point of view, um, we're, we've obviously just deployed a, a system that we've been using um, for a number of years. There's, there's nothing too secret in terms of you know, in terms of at what we were, we were trying to achieve, our philosophy, it's interesting. Different teams have different ideas. Different countries have different ideas. 
for us, um, and more so, I think this 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 team and our our um, our approach, this whole thing, which was unanimous, everyone was on board, was that what we like to do is we like to avoid bad matchups. So our preference, if we can get our five plays into what we call a yellow or a 50-50 matchup, or in my, in, in my mind, it's even list. It just comes down to player skill. That's what our preference is, as opposed to trying to get um, two favoured matchups, which sometimes results in two unfavoured matchups. Help me out, James. What was our rough numbers for the event? So was it from, from the 30 games, we had two oranges, four or five greens, and about 23 yellows, so 50-50s. Yeah, so we, I think what's very important for us, and it took a lot of time, um, and we went a lot of revisions. And what I mean by that is, is uh, a great example um, was when I was doing my matchups and my thoughts and mentally about Exxon Texas, and then my dear friend Pete, we were in Germany and he reviewed things, and just it's great how I think just the respect of our team as well is that if I've got an idea about something and then always give the other guys time of day if they think, oh, I'm, I'm not sure, or why did you uh, rate this this uh, yellow or green or whatever? Um, and Pete obviously picked on the picked up on the fact that not only Pete's played a fair bit of Texas in the past, I'd missed that the subduer got, um, he, he was a 10-inch um, hook as, as opposed to a 6, what I thought he was, and this is obviously prior to that uh, October update. And then when we talked about it and uh, played it out, <clears throat> it was quite apparent that I had was at the complete wrong end of the scale. I thought that was a favourable matchup to me, which turned out to be not a favourable matchup to me. Just that one prime example of just us as a group to be able to, to talk together. And what we did is we had particular matchups, and thanks to War Table and some of our amazing uh, players, particularly Nathan Frawley, um, a great friend of ours, and and a bit of a pseudo coach and support, not just for our team, but other teams as well. Um, we were able to get on the table and, and play some of these games. Um, and it just gave us <clears throat> very confident information about what we thought were playable games and unplayable games. Um, we generally don't have too many caveats. There's a few notes in there. We talk about potentially terrain dependent, um, scenario dependent, but generally speaking, um, you know, for us, is that we, uh, that's, our, our approach, and I think it's very strong for us, um, and uh, obviously the results speak for themselves, but uh, it just went through us individually going through and grading, and then as groups going through and having good conversations about how we think particular lists play, um, strengths and weaknesses compared to our own list, strengths and weaknesses. And um, at the start of the year when we were kind of uh, you know forming the team, I know that, that uh, Jack was certainly going through a few different uh, listed, he he wasn't one hundred percent sold on what he was going to do. Chris and I had the conversation about he was going to use Kachev, Kachev two, uh, and then one of some of the some of the boogeymen that we thought they were out there. So some of us, well, no, sorry, not not some of us, all of us apart from myself were, were had a Kachev two list in mind. Um, and so that just I know that's kind of pretty quick, but that's just a rough, uh, pretty good timeline of just how things started to come together, um, and 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 our initial approach, uh, approach about those grids. Um, and then we were still doing them, or well, sorry, when I say doing them, we were going through its fifth or sixth revision leading up to that, that last week when we were in, um, <clears throat> when, when we were in Brussels, which is great. And because we've done it so many times, um, and the format just works well, one strength for us was that it, it didn't, it, 
it wasn't an onus task. We obviously enjoyed doing that kind of work together and, and just circling back to terms of camaraderie and, and no, kind of effort. I think it all just led into the results that we got because, it, it, you know, it wasn't like I was having to twist arms to get people to come and, yeah. you know, you know, look at, okay, let's check out this team or what do we think about this list? And I know these guys are going to make fun of me, mate, but I know I checked that bloody Canadian team probably more times than I've had hot dinners. I was just thinking about them a lot. And ironically, we played them in the final. So, you know, uh, but... Um, so many but, damn times. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, for us, you know, that, that kind of gives everyone yeah. a bit of a, a pretty good rundown of kind of what our approach and, um, you know... What, what what those colours mean and and um, and how we kind of uh, tackled that tackled that task. I yeah, think... you hit the nail on the head there. Oh, sorry, James. Um, no, you go, mate. All right, cool. Yeah, I think one thing you might be getting into, James, is that uh, what we one of the reasons we went for the approach is that because of the way the drafting works, uh, a lot of the times we found that. Over first of all, this is a built over the back of I'd say about nine years worth of experience between all of the WTC players. Like nine years ago is when me and me, you and Batesy went, and we started doing grids for this time. And we just found that look, you can do these drafts and try and get favorable matchups. But one, as Whaley just got into with his Texas example, sometimes what you think is a green slam dunk, yep, ship it, let's go, is not agreed because. It's really difficult to know literally every matchup in Mark Three, on account of just how many fucking matchups there are, and a lot of them are quite bespoke. Uh, you can't just think that you're just favoured in a wormwood because you've slapped it together an answer to like Forest or something and call it a day. You gotta go like, okay, well, are you actually favoured in this flavour of wormwood? Can you deal with I don't know primal archons or this random version that someone has with five heavies? They're all very different. Um, and therefore, you might get into a situation where you've carefully maneuvered yourself into three reds because you've decided to take two unfavored matchups to get yourself with that favored Wormwood game. And then the Wormwood player turns around and says, Hi, my name's Moops. I'm Moops Magic. And I don't know why we're playing this game, but you're already dead. Um, the other thing, too, is as Whaley got into, for us, I found that. The grids and stuff, as much as I give them shit for the Canadian thing, and honestly, I also was doing the same thing, especially when I found out more <clears throat> details about certain Mark Andres and their list that they had literally designed just to snipe myself. It is really nice to just do that kind of practice because it gets you into the zone. It gets you thinking about the game. It gets you also thinking about what you're actually far better into. Plus, there's also cases where literally everyone will put their hand up and play the game. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, 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 we've got five yellows into this guy, but which yellow is more like a greenish tinge, which yellow is more like an orangish tinge, and which is one you just put there because you didn't actually read it through and you kind of wanted to get it through and get it done. Um, which, incidentally, is another reason we did multiple passes at it, because a couple of them are a bit of a phone-ins, phone and then you're like, oh, actually, no, this isn't quite how it worked out, and there's a lot more of this than I thought there were, and it played quite differently than what I thought. It doesn't always have to be, oh, you find your disadvantage. Sometimes you find you're wildly favoured. And then that tends to work out quite well for you. Yeah, I, a... I think in general, one of our worst matchups that we had uh, into the field was the Gaucher 4 Kalissa matchup, which a few times on a couple of the grids, if you, if you see it, there is a couple instances of this player ending up with like uh, four oranges throughout the team. And one of mm -hmm. 
oranges that the team got was me into Finland, into the, uh, the rep player, which was Jonas. Lovely dude. Um, but I think we kind of knew that we were pseudo going to bust someone because we knew that they were going to get a, um, a good matchup out of us. We was, we was going to very heavily skew the grid. Uh, for us to get, I think, the, the one yellow game, which was probably Chris into, that, into it. Um, but I had just played that in terms of reps into Jack. I'd played that game individually with various Grimkin lists probably 25 times. So it came down to, yes, we, we, we consider that we're accepting the fact it's going to be a bad game, but hopefully just experience is going to win out. And speaking to Jonas after that game, we played a really very interesting attritiony, grindy, cat and mouse kind of game, just giving uh, each other only very, very little uh, little bits um, to try to get an attrition edge and win on scenario. But he'd, he'd never played that game individually. And I just thought, yes, I can accept the fact that it's bad and it doesn't feel good for me at all. But um, I know the pieces in my army, they're going to be good into, uh, into the rec game. And I think it, it really did show. Because by the end of it, I got Jonas to what was a, a pretty fair game for about uh, an hour and a half, and then Jonas basically conceding because he knew the writing was going to be on the wall. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, but, uh, that's the story of Pete just sort of slowly <laughs> swindling his opponents into sweet lullaby. Um, right. it, it would be the polite way of saying fondled their testicles. Um, <laughs> I think the other thing just worth touching Gently. on is the last week or two is just like, and that they're good, like, practices for, for life. So the first one is, in doing all these matchups and going through all the lists, we, liked, we genuinely enjoyed it. We had a good time. We, it helped us learn. It helped us practice. And, and to Pete's point, he'd played that game so many times that even though he was dis- disadvantaged, he, like, he, he was really knew what he was doing and, and his possible outs in that game. The second one was, um, if, you, if you have a look at that, um, at the summary document at the first page there's just a little bit of an overview and we we did reverse engineer it after we just sort of dumped all the lists in one spot so it's not the most beautiful data presentation but we did go through and look at the caster distribution and then one night i spent about an hour just trying to see if i could go through all 10 of our casters and get a distribution of what their colors were across the board so for example with Karchev 217 drops how many of those are yellow how many are green how many are orange etc um just because we were interested, we enjoyed the process. It was enjoyable, and it just made me think: like, if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. It's exactly the same principle. So, things gelled together very nicely on that front. Nice. Yeah, we also didn't have any random dramas due to real life, which was you never yeah, can control that. But that was good. I know that affected a couple of like other teams. Uh, uh, just doing the. T- What was it? I think you might have just dropped, just lagged a bit there, Jesse. Sorry, go yeah, on. Yeah, that was me. That was me. That's sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's the last yeah, time I'll ever ask Chris to keep talking. <laughs> cool. But yeah, like we we also got fortunate in that like you know between COVID and just real world factors, we just never had anything come up as well. And even if we had, I know that we would have given people plenty of advance warning. It would have sucked, but we'd have been like, sorry, this came up. Like you know. Dad's in hospital. Mum's got like you know something's happened. Family tragedy. But yeah, we got a good oh, run as well. We went through Europe and we didn't pick up anything you know fun from any clubs or from traveling. So that was nice. I think um, even Jack for a little while looked like he was yeah. going to be 
So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, Jack, yeah. We're a bit worried about Jack there, but it turns out we didn't need him. So. I think Jack didn't need us. I only do the advanced healing techniques of your warrior priest in the group, mate. All right, that's. I was going to say. I was going to say one thing that certainly certainly is an added bonus is if you have a amazing medical professional, also aka Peter Bates, travelling with you. Um, and uh, I'm I'm not sure where or how Peter worked his magic to come up with the wonderful potions and formulas that he did, but. Certainly, Jack Ding was uh, floating a couple inches above the ground, and uh, any 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 uh, sickness was very quickly shooed away. And um, you know, definitely, Pete, uh, he was he was certainly he was certainly an added edge uh, during the event. So, there's there's another little funny one actually. In when we were just in Brussels the day before we left, people were just a little bit sniffly, and we were like, oh, what? This is a bit. We need like a. a ton of barocas, which are just a vitamin drink. And oh, I went to a pharmacy with Whaley and couldn't quite get across the message of what I wanted, but ended up coming back with the 28 of these little like vitamin shots. But they were also, they had taurine and caffeine and B2 through to B13 in them. And, and, and it ended up being like this little ritual that we had as a team, which was, it reminded me of, um, if you've seen Space Jam, Michael's secret stuff. Like it wouldn't oh, matter, yeah. it kind of wouldn't have mattered if it was water or if it was the best, most healthy drink in the universe. The fact that we were all just like having these shots together, these like health shots together, kind of felt like we were doping a little bit, but uh, it was a nice little <laughs> team bonding exercise. It was, and God, could I just it. say, scandals. Scandals, Because I'm a massive fan I mean, of the Witcher. It, it kind of felt like we were taking our little Witcher potions before we were, we were getting ready. <laughs> oh, to yeah, dude. <laughs> Hell, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Australia has been well known for our use of Barocca as a uh, performance enhancer for many years. In fact, Colin even told me that he brought the tech over to the US. Uh, to quote Colin on his first day uh, when he was playing there back well back in 2014, Right, they had Barocco all three rounds the first day, and they won all the games. And then they didn't take Barocco the next day, and they didn't win all their games. I think the the empirical evidence speaks for itself. I think so. I, I mean, know America's got the finger of God scandal. You guys have this doping scandal, so just scandals all. <laughs> I out of my mouth. I was going to say 2014 um, finger of God, 2014 potion of God. Twenty twenty two. Oh, oh shit! Well, um, you guys, uh, do any more any more chat about the Matrix? Or that's that's pretty well covered. I, I assume you guys um, recorded with Dark Guidance, right? And you guys went deep in, into your games. Unless you guys want to touch on uh, some interesting stuff here. Or... We didn't really, because honestly, going through six games is kind of, yeah. especially because the edition's on its way out. It's not like we can give great insights into the matchup because the sure. half the cast is going to exist. Um. Honestly, a lot of the, the uh, way, like, we, we could talk about the, the drafting a tiny bit because I know we've gone into it a lot, but one of the things we noticed, again, why we went for this yellows mostly approach is because a lot of the time actually engineering a green is surprisingly difficult without giving something away. And when you give something away for something that might not actually be favoured, and one of the other things I think... Call it a bit of a, like, just the anecdotally, but from my perspective, most people are much more aware of what they're bad into than what they're actually good into. Um, 
because it's generally the thing i mean it depends from person to person you get some people who just like i'm literally favored into everything apart from this one guy who i'm completely unplayable into and you're like uh sure that's extremely polarizing but it means that you actually getting good matchups is a lot of the time not really possible because they're going to look at you and they're going to just swerve like a car on the highway just trying to get the fuck out of way of whatever train wreck is coming their way in their perspective. And we picked a lot of those lists as well in our two pairings. Like, you look at our pair, you look at uh, everyone's pair and most of them us had some kind of list that was pretty skewed. Right? It wasn't what people would consider a classic skew list because a lot of them, well, they frankly were all perfectly like legitimate lists. They just had like some kind of tweak to it. Like I was obviously playing two fucking giant skews, playing a Rusk with 50 to 70 dudes. I was playing Zakova 2, which has like a 30 inch threat range, you're dead. Congratulations. But they're both fully functional lists. However, if you go into something like that, you would have to be prepared to deal with that. And a lot of people just didn't want to fucking deal with me. Uh, similar thing with uh, Batesy's Heretic list and Whaley with Karchiv 2, just by virtue of being Karchiv 2. In both cases, it's like a lot of people were just trying to get their Karchiv drops out of the way or just trying to like avoid Whaley as best as possible. And any Karchiv player looking at Heretic is going to be like, I don't fucking touch that. Oh, that's true, man. Because I, I guess for me with Grimkin, I, a big part of it was, uh, I, I believe that people were, were very much out of practice and out of understanding exactly what Grimkin did, um, and I think that was a huge asset for me going forward. But um, I obviously I designed that heretic list with Karchev quite clearly in mind. It was ironic that I made that this alpha level Karchev killer, and then suddenly. You, uh, Chris, started playing Zakova two, and I'm like, "Oh, this is bullshit!" Like, my <laughs> my amazing counter has been countered by um, another list. But um, I I do reckon there was there was a good likelihood, I think, particularly Cardor, that they would have ended up dropping uh, their Kachev into Heretic, and just without fully acknowledging just how good of a drop it was going to be for me. Um, I think uh, I think I was going to still shadow myself into quite decent positions, or mm -hmm. um. Oh, yeah, that would have been pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Pete's exactly right, though. If you look at the distribution as well, Pete and I are pretty pretty even, even between Chromac Wormwood and Dreamer Heretic, whereas the, the rest of you are heavily favoured into one caster. So I, I think it's less of a call about, like, this is what happens in the meta and this is the, the matchups we're trying to drop and more just a commentary to the, the matchups we end up playing on the day and how strong we felt with each list into the field universally. Um, I was surprised I ended up playing more Wormwood than Chromac, but then I thought about it a lot and it made a lot of sense. <laughs> how did you guys go about selecting uh, your pairs? Did you guys do that all together or do you guys have an idea what you wanted to play and then just happen to gel together or did you work with the other two teams? How did, uh, how did well, at end of the day, it was each person's individual decision, but we basically were very collaborative about it. Like, we we're going into why we we're doing these things, and if we made any changes, we'd let people know and why. Um, like, end of the day, I'm not going to be the one who tells James what kind of circle list he's going to drop. But if he's going to ask for feedback, he's going to get some yeah. feedback. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> the similar thing is it's like, if I'm going to put some flavor of, like, 70 dudes on the table, James is going to look at that and his eyes are going to glaze over and go and be like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> I look well, at Chris but then if I'm like, like that's, that's the opposite game. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, no, in terms of collaboration with the other teams, uh, honestly, it was basically if we had people playing sim similar factions, we like, you know, uh, sometimes we'd get asked for help either way or things like that. I mean, one big example is Alex, who basically literally went, James Senpai, how do I circle? Hmm. And I think you told me. I, <clears throat> I think also, just to answer this question as well, too, is so we were, um, James obviously not, not, not exclusive, but, um, if I was a betting man, I'd I'd, I'd be saying James is going to play circle. I, Chris and and I are more so exclusive single faction players. Um, Pete obviously um, he's he has, he has, whatever he touches, dude. You know, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then and then and then Jack obviously can play a suite of whatever he needed. But but for us and it and it and it and it's a very good question. We were very fortunate. I feel that at the start of the year and absolutely by the time. We had a, a three-man teams event in in May, but um, for a lot of us um, at the start of the year, we had a very strong idea about. Um, well, we obviously knew what our factions were, and we had a pretty strong idea about what our casters were going to be. And then, definitely, my scar one list at the start of the year looked completely different, and then I had a different iteration, and it was just a series of building blocks playing against um, in our, in the Australian meta, getting an understanding, looking at some of the global stuff. This is I'm talking about me, me personally, um, and then um, it certainly went through a, a large amount of iterations. And then we were quite fortunate that um, after March we we started um, a bit of a league with um, with uh, Potsy's team, the uh, Magpies, which we we were able to have three iterations of that, which was very good, um, and. Just a lot of groupthink and a lot of uh, games, either in real life or via war table, helped us shape and craft what our lists look like um, uh, for essentially leading up until our camp that we had in August. So I felt that um, from our team's point of view, we were a pretty good lock around that August time. The only real um, conversation that needed to happen was between Chris and I and who was going to play um catch of catch of two um and for everyone listening i certainly didn't strong arm chris and tell him my way or the highway but back back to that i think oh, what i remember well what uh what you two remember and what and what the truth is matter obviously different uh you know well he's a lot more scale. general than you think he is <laughs> exactly right but no we i mean my my personal feel and 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 i knew chris felt the same way too was that Cricks, I don't want to sound a bit down and out for Cricks, but I think Cricks without Karchev 2, and um, I mean, James experienced it because he played against a player who played X six years 3. I went through and looked at some of those lists, and I know that I was asked that question uh, uh, by by Jay about, you know, if I had my time again without Karchev 2, what would, what would my list look like? I just think that Kador having so much, um, so more powerful options um, and a bit more flexibility, whereas I felt Cricks really needed Karchev too. And then the irony, I think, just to push that push that envelope even further, is that Cricks with Karchev in that in the uh, theme that gave Carapace just, just really put me in a place where certain matchups and things I think were just so favourable for me that I could kind of bully. Um, and also the fact that Chris developed this extremely amazing... Um, list with Sokova 2, which I think a lot of us made the comment because a lot of us had to play it 
um, leading up during the year. It wasn't really playing War Machine. It was Chris just doing his own thing and, and his opponent just being there and, you know, just uh, waiting, <laughs> waiting, waiting to be told the game is over. Um, and ironically enough, just a personal note, I was surprised that there wasn't more of that list. Was it was like three of them, Chris? Was there three of those in there or two? I can't remember how many. How many Four in total. To. And oh. two of them, two of us were, it was myself and Robin. So two yeah. of them were Australian. Yeah. There you go. So I, I think from that, um, sorry, coming back on point about our list, is that we obviously built them and they they developed and shaped, um, you know, for many, many number of months. And it also led into the fact that a lot of people asked us questions about how many games we played. Um, and I know me personally, I think I got up approximately between, well, I know the number changed a little bit, but it was anywhere between around about the 60, maybe slightly more of each list that I played during just this calendar year well, from, from, from January effectively. Um, nice. And I think that that was also just um, different metas and different thoughts and different ideas. Um, James and I had a, um, uh, a very interesting um, round five. Um, James played into Cricks. I played into Circle. We played French Asterix, which was their which was their team, and it was just very interesting in that James and I had a thought process. James, um, sorry, the Cricks player that James played into had Karchev and Scar, uh, different list to mine, and then the Circle player had Kruger two and Mulvana two, and um, when we took those matchups and we'd done a lot of practice into that. Uh, before the games went down, I would uh, be quite confident that I would have thought that the Cricks player under James would have dropped Karchev and the Circle player would have dropped Kruger into me. As it turned out, um, we dropped Wormwood and Karchev respectively. And if you look at our matrix, that's what we were always going to drop. They ended up dropping Scar and they dropped Mulvana too. And I felt just just from that point on that we not only did very well in our, in our, um, in our uh, pairing process, <clears throat> just no, just noteworthy. That was one of our oranges where where Chris very uh, very very gracefully jumped on what we thought was a very bad matchup for him, and Chris did his 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 magic chi work that he does and manages to win that game, which was which was amazing. I'll I'll, I'll let him talk about that a bit later on. But <laughs> the highlight being that um, clearly other countries had different ideas, but the fact that we had all that work we did all year, and the fact that we had practiced that game that many times, and with all due respect to those French guys, those two games were complete blowouts. Um, and it was just testament of everything that we'd done and the fact that it all come together. Just smashing cunts left and right, you guys. <laughs> uh, the only thing I want to add to that is, um, so in terms of who, how do we choose who picked which faction, which, which what, I remember, so to, to, to those points, we had our factions locked in super early. It was a catch of two decision. It was more, I just remember we had a conversation. I'd played a ton of games with Cromac and Wormwood. And I just said to the guys like, hey, just checking. You guys are okay without a Kruger 2 on our team because I think he's pretty bleh. And everyone was like, hell yeah, do it. So it was more just like checking checking in on, um, hey, I'm not taking our third and fourth and fifth caster for the following reasons. And, and yeah, that worked out pretty well uh can you talk more about that the, the lack of kruger too because i think it's um i think you guys were ahead of the curve a lot of people played that guy and i don't know i mean we can't see their personal win records but i don't know how well he went i don't know yeah sure um the short version is really uh i played it a, a couple of times into jack because we were testing what what ret list he should be playing as well as i know pete you'd played a bit of um 
uh, Old Witch 2, who has Windstorm as well. And we both just felt with the October update that Windstorm was pretty crap. Um, so, yeah, that's that's really where it, where it kind of landed. Um, and I, I think if, you, if you're taking a caster just for Windstorm in the current meta, then you are doing the you're doing the wrong thing. Like the re- the whole reason why I still think that uh, Old Witch uh, Three is still good is her suite of abilities that are well beyond just Windstorm. Windstorm is just it's terrible into the things that it used to be amazing into. Like it used to be so so good into rep. Like the Gary, I remember when I was leading into practicing, uh, and I Old Witch uh, Three was very much on my cards, and I played into Gary two into jack and i'm just like yeah this is a playable game but this used to be like a dark green slam dunk of a game and now it's like really quite tedious and difficult um but i guess the the value with k2 uh, at least is you still got tk you know but you've got tk in a faction that's relying on being a glass hammer and you're not allowed to take kruger zero that seems like a massive faux pas in my mind yeah that was what i was just going to quickly jump on there too i think it suffers the same issue as what Product Fix Years 3 does. You know, the biggest issue with the Fix Years 3 is you can't take Fix Years 4. That's so, right. you know, and, that, and, and that's, like that's for me. I has been a three player uh, in, in the tournament, Terra from Finland, and, uh, and it really showed. Yeah, that um, makes sense. That model, the, like Kruger the, Kruger just the mistake, other thing so. is as well on Kruger 2, sorry. Um, I, I think he loses the circle matchup pretty heavily outside of some very, very specific builds. And we've spoken about how we're not going to do specific builds. Um, so, yeah, that uh, that was kind of like the final final nail in, in the coffin. Like, if you're ever trying to engineer specific matchups in the WTC, uh, you, made a, you made a boo-boo in the Yeah, line. it's never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like like we saw it in the final, Marc-Andre had that list, the um, Skinwalkers designed for Chris, which was like perfectly poised to match up against Chris. Uh, you've got a one in one in 245 other players. You've got to get matched up against them and then you've got to drop it. And then they've got to also select the wrong list. It, it didn't even come close to happening. So I respect the move, especially if you're just going to one list a, 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 a caster like Wormwood the whole tournament. But... Um, yeah, it was it was just a good checksum with the team to say, hey, we're on the same page regarding this, um, and that was sort of we just we, we continued that conversation, you know, in in six nine months in the lead up, and then it made it easy for me as well. I just played Cromack and Wormwood for the whole year, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I um, that, oh, go ahead. Sorry, man. Um, I think that I probably had the most last second change, which was into Heretic. Um, because maybe it was like uh, June leading up or maybe a little bit earlier, I was essentially saying to the team, look, I feel really, really good about this uh, either Wanderer Dreamer pair or Old Witch Dreamer pair. I feel really good as long as I don't have to play into Karchev. Um, But having that conversation was really, really telling. I'm like, I've got this really good Karchev answer, but I don't want to actually even play it because I don't think Heretic's good outside of um, that specific matchup. But put, the, put it down, put it on the table. Um, and there was a bit of resistance within the group because we were like, you know, that we, we give you the fact that you're going to be good in a Karchev with um, Heretic, but you're playing so well in terms of this Old Witch 3 list. It had really, really good recursion. It hit really hard. It had a great threat range. Really, really great all-comers drop. And, you know, I love Old Witch 3. Um, so I think there was some resistance in the group. So give the Heretic list a shot. 
but we gave the heretic list a shot and then absolutely smashed the Karchev game that we played. And like the, you know, the test subject game was like, yes, this works unequivocally. This works. And then I just ended up playing heretic, like nonstop heretic for, you know, five weeks or whatever it was during one of our leagues. And I proceeded to win every single one of my games and games that heretic really had no right winning. Um, He, he sort of produced these games that it was just, it was like, uh, Jack's old school Creos three list. It was just you won by sheer numbers, and the quality of dice you were wi- um, rolling was just so such um, good efficacy and good outcome. Um, but then, uh, having played the dude like a thousand times, well, what felt like a thousand times because leading up to it, he just had so many things in terms of such a broad toolkit that I never really respected. Like I went into games at the WTC. And my uh, heritage games, my opponent would say, you know, do you have a threat extender? And I'm like, well, no, I don't have threat extender. You know, the dread rots have got desperate pace, so they're 11 inch threat. But, but I've got gallows. And my opponents would, uh, one of them definitely said the words, well, yeah, it's gallows. You won't cast it. And <laughs> I'm like, in our lead up games, the number of times I cast gallows was phenomenal. We in the our very first game uh, at WC against, I think it was Fabian. He moved, he played Cole Grima. He moved up his rock, um, the heavy war beast, in somewhat behind the wall and then put two clouds behind it. And I just, um, I had two clouds in front of it, rather. I, I had the frog then uh, get true sight for an objective, move up, gallows him into the clouds. So he was still over the wall if I was going to get models to uh, attack him. But then obviously a clock sprayed him. So he's def nine over a wall. So you still get hit. Uh, I proceed to then charge him with four dread rots. He obviously dies because that's what dread rots do. And then, unfortunately, I, I left this beautiful concentric circle of models that uh, his axe could then move up and thresher and kill oh, all those models. Oh, yeah, 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 that sounds good, right? That sounds great. But then he proceeds to put the same two clouds in front of that model and then behind the wall with the expectation that I wasn't just going to true sight the frog and then gallows him into the cloud <laughs> again with the axe. But obviously, that's exactly what I did. Oh, and man. yeah, like he, he, he was a real uh, dark horse in terms of his quality. Uh, I was really impressed with how he ended up. I'd say um, I would never have picked him as sort of a top tier caster, but the number of very skewed, easy wins that that caster got me in the lead up and even some of the games at the WTC was massive. And we, uh, we, 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 we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think a combination of <clears throat> Pete's, um, Pete's ability to play the game, uh, people's inability to or lack of practice into Grimkin, and more importantly, the fact that Pete had played that list so many times and... Uh, just to, just to, uh, he didn't he didn't glance over it, but I just want to reiterate the fact that in this particular league, he told us that I'm just doesn't matter what my doesn't matter what I'm playing or sorry what I'm playing against, I'm just going to drop the heretic. He just really smashed out those reps, and towards the end there, you could just tell that you know um, even though it just quickly back to that Gorshade matchup, Pete had played it so many times, and just his execution, and and it was just. It was just it was just great to watch from our team's point of view because um, you know him taking that prevented other people playing bad matchups and we had a heap of confidence in him because and you, could, you I think that's an awesome thing too you can see your teammates and they're they're playing a lot of games against ourselves also just helps the player skill you're playing against top level players your game's getting better their game's getting better 
um, in all the practice games that we're doing, in all the league games we were doing, um, just touching a little bit of um, camaraderie from our team. You know, we'd be in War Table, we'd post a link. I know, Jesse, you saw a couple of games. We'd all be in there watching, you know, and you're all learning and you're like, wow, I wanted this matchup and what about this and what about that? In terms of Gallows, Pete's touched me in many bad places using Gallows. And not that I got to play against a Grim Grim player, but it was just another thing about, like, you've got to think about, well, okay, if this guy's got Gallows, how are you going to try to play around it? I think mm-hmm. it's just that whole general coming together, it just makes a huge difference because, um, you know, in, in some cases, it, it just comes down to the game and um, the, the possibilities are endless. And not saying that, don't get me wrong, we didn't unlock the matrix and we knew everything about everything, but we certainly had a very good handle on what we could do. And we felt that we had a very good handle on a lot of what we were going to face and what they were going to do. And I think that just puts you half a step in front. Um, and, uh, and and if I can just fall on the back of that, um, I'm not going to go into a full battle report rundown, but my round one opponent against France, and Pete was playing next to me, he was talking about his game against Trolls. Um, a similar kind of scenario, uh, it, it was a, a Gorshade 4 player. It was a different list. I felt that, to me, I could play into that. And because I played that many games and collaborated with my teammates, my whole plan was to come up, try to, try to and these guys are going to laugh at me because my whole theory was I present my army to my opponent they come in they crash against me and then we then we play I I presented as as aggressively um, as I could towards the Gorshade four player in the hope that they would feat defensively and um, just a highlight was that they had clouds down and stuff and they had the old the old um, the old curtain rings or the old metal rings and I asked my opponent I said oh, is it okay because I was going to move my I said is it okay if I if we move these models out of the way, sorry, if we move these rings out of the way, he looked at me and I said, oh, no, don't worry, I'm not going to make any attacks against your army. And just the look on his face when I told him that I was not going to attack any of his models under his feet. And clearly, I had my plan. I knew that, you know, I'm not going to give him what he's expecting. Um, and um, skip forward, obviously, it was a very good game for me. Um, the result was very good. But it's just just a small insight into I felt confident that in the right environment, I'd played that matchup multiple times. I knew what my strategy was. Um, and as it turned out, that kind of threw my opponent a curveball because they were expecting for them to come up feet defensively. I would crash into them. And then, oh, what happens if your opponent doesn't do that? And then it took him a few minutes to think about what he was going to do. And then ironically, when I advance and get a lot of his infantry in, in base to base, sorry, in, in combat range, I know he's got ghost walk, but, and then I put clouds up and I prevent those guys from charging me and I prevent those guys from attacking attacking stationary models because I didn't hit any of his stuff. Not only does he get no work out of his feet, it just changes the whole the, the whole game. And the, the, the expected amount of damage or the expected counterpunch that he's going to do was negated by the fact that I didn't do what potentially everyone else has done into him. Um, and, um, and yeah, it just it's just another small um, example of us playing the game, what we think we understand, what the matchup is and what the best way to victory is. And it's easy, obviously, when you're talking about it in a podcast or you're thinking about it afterwards, but in isolation, if you put yourself in a situation where, and I'll go back to Pete's example, Pete's played 25-plus games of this caster, and I'm playing him for the first time, and I've got 60 minutes, you know, to think about how am I going to execute the game plan, where am I going to put my positioning, what are, what, you know, what are the different threat vectors, what's really important in the matchup, and that's a lot for someone to try to, to try to process against someone who's had pieces that you yeah, need to go and do in your own time. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, and it's huge. 
Well, it's almost like it's a lot easier when you do it ahead of time, especially over beers and when you're really chillaxed in like a Belgian beer cafe than when you're doing it on the table and you've got Whaley staring down and you goes like, I presented, mate. Have at it. <laughs> That's a really good point, Chris. Like even even like half an hour to an hour in advance is a massive uh, advantage, but it's also an absolute luxury to be able to do that, have the, have the time to do that. And then also... This is a fucking massive game with like literally millions of variables. So to make sure you're studying the right thing in detail is almost impossible. But to have like a principled approach of like these elements are strong into this thing, this scissor is strong into that paper, but it's not good into that rock is like probably some of the best off the table work that you can do. And if you don't enjoy that, you're going to have a bad time. If you do, you're going to have a great time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's never wasted, right? Like, even though the game is going to change in literally a couple of months' time, this principles still apply to the next WTC, the next game you end up going yep. into. It's good yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Think, um, sorry. No, 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 you go, mate. You go. No, I was just going to say, I think uh, <clears throat> your list was more different than everyone else's Karchev list in Cricks. Do you think yes. that took some, you know, other than pretty much maybe the, the top four or five teams, or, you know, top ten maybe, I don't know. But, like, do you think that took a lot of people by surprise maybe on that first day then, you know? Uh, potentially, but it's a very good point. I, I built I, – I feel quite quite proud of, of being a little bit of a yes, special snowflake. Cool, I, I, I basically come up with that list, and I knew what its strengths and weaknesses were. Um, and, and thankfully, in a team environment, and it was very obvious and I made it very clear to my team. And you look at our, our matrices in terms of um, – Playing into the mirror or playing into the into, into Kachev, I that might where my list or not having any desecrators means that I just don't have the hitting power to to be able to punch through that. Thankfully, uh, my four teammates made sure that um, they had me covered it from that front. Um, but what it and I touched on a little bit before, I think what it does is it just pushes the whole what that list is strong into and and um, not just. The fact that I have six heavies that have carapace, but some very important pieces into the matchup, particularly Karchev, particularly um, Xfixies, and having those shield guards. Um, if anyone's a list that have uh, a little bit of an all comers that have a little bit of shooting, um, you know, I, I, I basically uh, such a hard skew into that. Um, and the other thing that I found was 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 very interesting is because, uh, and I don't know, I, I did see a couple of other Reapers. Um, a couple of the Crick's Reapers there, but a lot of my opponents, when we were deciding objectives, because of my Reapers, they took um, they took the anchor. Basically, you to to prevent any of their models being dragged, which is which is fine. They've got no issues with that. But that really then just allowed six years forward to put down my two clouds, yep. and having a potential armor twenty three or armor twenty five heavy against living models behind two clouds with a thirteen inch threat um, is a huge is a huge a problem for a lot of people to deal with, and in um, in our experience, having a two-inch melee model with two initial attacks um, and having um, a, an eleven-inch threat natively, I found was just a lot more threatening. The desecrator, I know the desecrator, um, you know, has a damage output of of a million. Um, you know, as the potential he could delete any model in the game. Um, but outside of the feet, he has a nine-inch threat. So right. 
we, we, we had a couple of conversations with people saying, oh, you know, my desecrator does this. And it's like, absolutely it does. But what if you play against an opponent that just never puts their model in threat range of your desecrator? You know, circle particular. If you've got a model that has two-inch melee, um, either through it has native two-inch melee or Kruger zero, and then it has sprint. So it moves eight inches. So effectively, it's eight inches away from its target. And I know Kacho has his feet, but his feet's a one-turn deal. Um, and you and, and there's a, a other, other elements in terms of blocking line of sight, um, you know, other things in the way. A nine-inch threat, in, to me, is just terrible. And the, yeah. and the actual footprint of a model with one-inch melee, you know, back to that, um, that Gaucher list or um, Felsier list, obviously I've played a lot, into, a lot into Jack. It's like you need to have models, in my opinion, you, like if something has a strength, but then you can exploit that or push that even further, that's where you want to really start to bully particular matchups. And I think having six models with a 13-inch threat, but then when they get in their final places and they can then almost effectively, there's a six-inch ring around all of them that they can, uh, a footprint where they where they can attack things, where they, where they can do some work. I had plenty of games against Jack um, where under feet turns, we had these great games but and and it, it certainly shaped our respective gameplay whereas on feet turn i could kill 15 to 18 models um because i just got so many guys getting in there doing stuff if i had those with desecrators there's no way i killed that many no, models exactly. and i tried i tried multiple times you know trying to use the gun and i became very clear that um i mean the gun's nice but it's certainly not strong enough in my opinion to be able to carry a game plan off off the back of the desecrated gun so uh, i think there's a lot Sorry. No, no, you go. go, on, go on. Okay, yeah. The gun is a lot stronger on paper than it actually is in play. It's the thing you've, we found. Mm, um, absolutely. So and I it think... has all these random things it loses to because, you know, things with ignore that are immune to corrosion or have multiple wounds definitely do exist in this game. And I know that there was a couple of plays. I was, I was like, I obviously think I can think Whaley knows his shit, but I definitely got that proof when I saw a game win. Whaley laid out these nice intricate walls of cor like those random corrosion templates, the scathers that the gun leaves. I think you were playing into Jack, and then Jack just ignored them, or just had Falcia come up and do her thing, and then run off, and just like, oh, you just spent ten minutes of your clock. It feels like putting these fucking things down, and the guy goes, oh, okay, cool, and then ignores him in a similar way to you ignoring Gorshade's feet that first game. Yeah, I, I, exactly, exactly. Um. And then the other thing I was just going to say too, which kind of rounded out the list, um, and I certainly went through different iterations of um, Gatsby Force Battle Group, <clears throat> and I was super proud that I stumbled across the talent. And in terms of the group think, I know some of the guys in the team were like, when I said I was going to use a talent, they were a bit like, hmm. And then, but it was the whole thing about the talent is a cheap six point model who's durable, who has a native 18 inch, sorry, uh, native 18 armor, but then with. Um, with locked horns and um, uh, Dara Grace ability, potentially an armor twenty-two model, but it being having two-inch melee, mm. and its obviously main role was to either uh, present itself, so you have to send something, you you, you have to trade up if you're going to try to kill the model, or it's plus two damage buff, and being just an annoying place, um, and the amount of times that I was just contesting zones with it, and there was back to that French game. The pro talent took us. To be fair, it wasn't a it wasn't a douched up um, stalker, but it took a a, a, a warp or stalker to the face and survived. Um, plenty of our practice games, I just get the talent in a situation where it's contesting a flag or it's contesting a zone. Um, 
it was a, a magic find um, because Bixfixies didn't really do anything for it. Um, you know, it was there. It was it was either babysitting um, babysitting Karchev or, or just being a damage buff or just being annoying. Um, and yeah, I mean, the way the whole list come together, I was super was like super happy with it. And then I came on that pretty early, um, and then I was fortunate enough to be able to have at least say five or five or so months of just reps just playing that list and just understanding how it worked and and back to that point i made before you you put it all on the table and then if your opponent hasn't played into it much and you could see people trying to do the math and thinking about things i had some games where when people say oh if i shoot that guy what's his armor armor's going to be 25 uh if he had death order or 23 against guns and then they go okay well, what if i shoot that guy and then you tell them well it's got well, yes you can but he's got three shield guards around them and then they're like huh and then they come to the epiphany that there's probably no point shooting at all because they're just wasting their time because they might do a bit of chip damage and then I've got three mechanics just standing there waiting. You know, <laughs> oh, you do, you know, you do you do two damage to this guy. And I'm like, yeah, cool. And just very quickly, I know I've been rambling a lot, but back to that um back to that cool shade damage. Haven't had funny. a good list since Scar One, like something they can be proud of since Scar One thirty nine. So we better let him keep going. <laughs> or Gassy two, you know. Too soon, still too soon. <laughs> Ouch! So there was just uh, back to that, back to that game. It, it was, I think it was like turn three or four, and um, he'd been setting his uh, Rissvas defenders into my heavies, and oh, sorry, the wardens were in the middle, and the Rissvas defenders were on the outsides, and he was doing, you know, consistently, you know, doing one or two damage, one or two damage, and the mechanic was just there in base to base contact, and the poor bugger, I think it was like turn three or four, and the net value was that he probably had done one box of damage. In total, he probably <laughs> done 14 or 15 boxes of damage, but those three mechanics healing die six, they just kept healing things. And he said to Ugh. me, he said to me, he said, oh, I really need to kill those guys. In the back of my mind, I'm like, you absolutely need to kill those guys. But the problem is I've got six and a half heavy warjacks to stand in front of them, you know, and, and you really can't afford, uh, you know, to not attack these warjacks. And by that, obviously, you know, the game, unfortunately for him, was 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 well and truly lost at that stage, and then just to rub in to rub uh, insult in, in into the injury there. He then he decided that oh he's going to attack my objective, so he fired a couple of sniper shots at the objective, did a little <laughs> bit of damage. But then the mechanic was right there, and he just went up and just repaired them. He just went up and repaired the objective. So yeah, it was it was pretty brutal, and just the way it all came together, it was just awesome. And uh, it was a heap. It was a blast to play. It was you know it's a really good list, and it was a heap of fun to play. So nice. I want to give a shout out, by the way. I don't know if you guys did this out of stuff. Try to call him, but uh, to the honorary sixth man of your team, uh, Nathan Frawley, who I know played a shitload of games into you guys. But yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, know, I, I know for me personally, it was um, particularly it was the um, the Flames of Darkness Striker One list that either had a had a galleon or a blockader. And I was fortunate enough to play round two. I played we we played into Belgium round two, and I played the mm -hmm. guy that, that played that list. And I certainly felt so much more comfortable um, after those practice games with yep. Frawley, just understanding things. And and um, you know he's a great wealth of knowledge. And yeah, it, it was a situation of talk about that talent. Uh, I he had his unit of, of um, precursor knights, and I had the talent run up and engaged them all. And the poor guy had to mini feet. And put his whole unit in a perfect little pile just to kill the Talon, and he finally killed him. And uh, and I'm like, I'll happily take that trade if you're going to use your precursor knight's mini feet just to kill my little Talon. So yeah, <laughs> it was it was certainly good. So yeah, as I said, massive thanks to to Frawley and all the support and the work 
And we knew that obviously because of his wonderful look, a life and sleep pattern that he was up he, and he was watching our games and he was sending us messages and and uh, yeah, he's he's just he's just as part of sorry he is just as uh, important and a part of this win like everyone else for the work that they did. Sure, he doesn't listen to podcasts though, so fuck you, Froly. Oh, <laughs> insulting. <laughs> cool. Um, I have a question though that might be not answered because Jack's not here, but with the stream not really bouncing around as much. I kind of wanted to know if do you guys know what happened in his round six game against John Henry? I was yeah, sitting I in the room and he uh, smashed him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looked like it was like more of a grinding game than, than so, you know what I mean. So, so I can, so I can from, Chris, okay, if I really. if I if I can just jump in initially, I think you'll find, <laughs> and um, we again, obviously inside spoilers, very similar to myself, and it was it was funny. A couple of, for me over the weekend, particularly the Polish, both Conrad and, and Tom Ash, who are amazing players, we caught up and we were talking on the Friday night. And Conrad said to me, he goes, we all know that you're just going to play Karchev, you know, all six rounds. And I, I, I actually said to him, I said, uh, unless, we, unless we do something wrong, as in we stuff up the pairing process, yes, that's, that's obviously going to be the case. <laughs> and, and, and for Jack, he obviously was going to drop Felsier, um all those times. But <clears throat> I think. Um, and I just want to touch back to the matrix, you know, to the preparation, to the thought process. I might be wrong. So if John's listening, I apologize if I say something wrong, but just from my eyes is that because Jack had, um, Jack had Gary too with mortality mm-hmm. and John's obviously very, very good with his Madrak list and he played a lot of his Madrak list. Um, I think either because it was the final, um, might, might have second guessed himself. Didn't know. I'm not sure, but he dropped he dropped his other list, which was um, which was Gumbion two, and then what they did is uh, start of the game, and as we know with the theme benefit, is that you get to put down two trenches. From John's point of view, they started the game, and then he's halfway through his first turn, and then he realizes that he hasn't put his trenches down. Now, what that says to me is that he's obviously got one list that he plays extremely well, and. Yep one list that he obviously hasn't had as many reps for. So right. playing against a guy like Jack, who's just methodical, doesn't give any emotion away. Um, and thankfully we've played against him so many times, but I know when I first played against him, mate, he, sometimes that, that is intimidating as hell. If you think of, I'm talking to Pete, Chris and, and James, when you think about playing this guy that, you know, I'm talking many years ago when he first came onto the scene and he hasn't changed, you know, to play against the guy, you can't get any reads from him. He's an amazing poker player. He doesn't give anything away, right? You're playing against this guy that's just sitting there staring down at you. Um, and for John as well, I, because I, 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 that was the first time that I've heard his name in terms of the Canadian team, so I'm expecting it's obviously going to be his first WTC as well. There's a lot riding on that, and there's a lot of different pressures. Look, I, personally, I was very nervous. I went through the whole same thing. Um, I just think he was just a little off. And then I think that was just a reflection of there was a lot of time that John took to think about how to play the game. And I know mm. I've repeated myself in multiple times, but if you've, played, if, if, you've, if you've played that game even once or twice before, just to get an idea, yeah. I know that I had, some of our, I, know I, I had some of our Australian guys proxy both John's lists that I played into. Even so, the Gombion list was once, and then just so I could go down my mind and go, 
you know, he can make this this uh, Farrow Razorback crew shoot three times. He's got this damage buff. He's got this. Watch, you know, Melvin can run and he can make him. He can make him right. shoot. There's just all those little things that I think help. You, again, we know you're not going to unlock. You're not going to uh, solve the Rubik's cube, but it just gives you an idea. I think, and I might be wrong, and I apologise again if if it's incorrect. But it just felt like to me, and what Jack said is, he spent a lot of time thinking about what the interactions were. He spent a lot of time doing that. And Jack obviously had a very good game plan. We played bunkers. He was putting a lot of pressure on him from the scenario point of view. Um, and there was a time there where I think from John's point of view, and in a, in a way I kind of went through a similar type thing with Charles is I, I didn't spend as much time, but I was thinking about an out. How am I going to, because um, my game with Charles, I had a game plan. I went away from it, cost me a little bit. I tried to come back to it and then I had to think of an out. And I think that's what, what Jack was saying about John's game was that he thought about an assassination for a long period of time. And just from personal experience, when you're thinking about those assassinations, obviously, if they're a slam dunk, then, you know, you just, you obviously, uh, you execute and you see how you go. But in those situations, you think to yourself, right, how am I going to win this game? Because it's not going the way that I expected to go. It's not going in my favor. So, so probably to give you a bit of insight. Yeah, go for it. Sorry, mate. I was sitting next to Jack throughout that game, and I, I, I said this on another podcast. Jack is bloody amazing to watch. He has a strong poker heritage and a strong magic heritage. And at his heart, he is actually a Menoth player. He just puts you in a shit position and says, deal with it. How are you going to unravel the Rubik's Cube? And if you haven't practiced, you haven't thought about it, it's instead of a three by three Rubik's Cube, it's going to be like a six by six. And I fucking hope you're awesome at Rubik's Cubes. Um, <laughs> and the way, the way that the Rubik's Cube says it, that, yeah. The way that he plays Valthier is um, he just, he can put him, put her forward behind a wall because it's Defenders of Isles. She's effectively 19 slash 22 with, uh, with Hermit and says, okay, good luck. Um, and also shield guards, shield guard if need. Um, so he just puts his opponent, the way that list designed was almost very mental, um, in the double double units of uh, Risavas defenders that can effectively attack two times each with a defensive strike, when they, with a free attack when they die. Um, he puts you in a really hard spot. Um, Falcia is an incredible caster to do that because she effectively has a, a, a free spell list. So then secondly, um, I know Jack had started running half his models and he'd almost finished his turn one and said, I, I know John said, um, and I got to know John really well over the weekend, absolutely lovely human. Um, he said, oh, do you mind if I put down my trenches? And Jack just said, sorry, man, I've like run half my army, which makes sense to me. If you have positioned accordingly around how your opponent has placed, like, how, what cover is available to your opponent, and then it drop pods in halfway through turn one, that changes your no, whole plan. So I think that's sure. a fair no. No, yeah. Um, and then uh, the, just the other thing with with Jack is that he is always up on clock. He is always just staring you down, and he's always it, it, he's a very Menoth style player. It feels like it feels like Terminator. He's just T one hundred. He's just slowly chasing you down, and if you can't run while solving that Rubik's cube, it's the writing's already on the wall before the game started. So it's it's quite awesome to watch, and I hope you get to to enjoy it at some point. And I don't mean it in like a evil, he's a narcissist, terrible person. He's just methodical, analytical, uh, and he, he came first in the tournament for a reason. Yeah, nice. James, I, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. I just smash him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that some of us don't have Heretic or Dreamer. No, yeah, look, like... 
I don't know why uh, Jack sits down to play a game against me and for whatever reason, I play my best game possible because he just unleashes the inner fury. And, uh, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, Pete. Hang on. Unless, he, unless he plays me. Hang on, Pete. All right, so you've let the cat oh, out oh, of the bag. Oh, you've let the cat out of the bag. No, no, it's not about me and you. <laughs> to get everyone. So after 2016, very quick story, right? 2016, Potsy yeah, Jeff, Pete, Jack and I, <laughs> we find ourselves in Bangkok. Potsy been Potsy been Potsy likes manipulating people. We somehow we somehow get Pete to play a game versus Jack. Jack's playing Kador. Pete is playing Magnus Two with the freebooter spam because Pete thought that was a very good list. And on the line, on the line was that if Pete lost this game, he was going to in Bangkok go to a beauty salon and have all his pubic hair from me back sack and crack removed, right? So there's a lot on the line, right? There's a lot on the line. Pete is a very attractive, beautiful, red-headed man. So if he'd lost this bet, I probably, and I love Pete's wife, I probably would have tried to see if I could sit on the whole procedure because I thought it was all made. <laughs> we, have put, we have Pete, we have put Pete right in the pressure cooker, me being me, Bit of a smart ass, and obviously try to back my man Jack. I and so obviously there's got to be an incentive for Pete. Uh, and we and then in 2016 we played Poland and we got beaten by Poland. And Martian was using the Ostrom list with the little gun bunny. So Pete obviously thought that was a great idea, loved the list. So Jack and I put our money where the mouth is, and we said if Pete wins the game, that we're going to buy him an Ostrom list. So put Pete apply the right amount of pressure. Pete zoned in. Pete went to level 200 and he won that game. And I could tell you, I could tell you watching Pete play, this, the, the nerves in Pete, but going through that exercise, any mental blocks or any, uh, we talk about Jack's persona, the way that he approaches the game, Pete absolutely bashed through every barrier. And now when Pete sees Jack, he just channels his inner Bangkok back second crack game, and, <laughs> and, and and Jack's special powers just don't work on Pete. And then, ironically, to Pete's credit, Pete then turned it around. And I mean, Jack, you can't phase him, but there's certainly an element of Pete getting in Jack's head. And to watch them play is is amazing. And then Pete went on a tear. I think you know. Uh, well, according to Pete, you know, people may dispute this, but I think it was like a 19-game winning streak that he was playing against him. But And then the other great story was... was, least, was, was how am I story. only hearing that for the first time? Oh, <laughs> I thought you knew that. I thought you knew that. You've never heard that one? Oh, my God. <laughs> no. It's... Any, anyway, yeah. anyway, and i just got to add, and the, the most end to this story was that I'd like to thank myself and Jack for not only you know, helping Pete make through that uh, barrier. But those models that we brought for him, Pete <laughs> carried me to a WTC 2018 victory because That's Pete right. not only used those models, he I'm sure he channeled that game. And <laughs> uh, and uh, Pete was an absolute champion and was our captain that year. And, uh, yeah, and look, the rest is history. So, yeah. Six not awesome, mate. <laughs> oh, shit. So I think you guys are settled on your, your team names for next year, right? Back, sack, and crack. <laughs> <laughs> but but in, but in saying that, day, uh, I, I think it's very important to say. Just like for us, we're so lucky to be, you know, such a tight group of friends and that community, and like all these stories that we have, and all these all these like. There's so many times we're laughing and having fun, and um, you know, stories and and things that and memories that we're going to carry with us, you know, forever. 
and as a part of this trip, which is just amazing. And, you know, like without getting sobby, but I just, I, I, I love these guys. I love playing War Machine with these guys. I love hanging out with these guys. You know, we're just so fortunate that our, in our real lives, in terms of our jobs, allow us to do it. Our partners allow to do it. They're all supportive. Hmm. Um, and, and I mean, I was big, uh, very big on this, talking to everyone about us enjoying the journey. And I wasn't just talking about the two weeks, but just the whole year and just how it all, how it all built. Um, and you know, it was, it was perfect. I can honestly say, you know, we didn't have any, you know, we didn't have any severe sickness. Um, we didn't miss any flights. We didn't, you know what I mean? It all, everything just come together really well. Our preparation was great. Execution was great. We had so much fun, you know, like there was no drama. It was just amazing. And we're just very fortunate that, um, you know, it just, for, for me, obviously, uh, the highlight of the year, you know, going to this event and, and competing and doing so well and enjoying it. And um, and then the time we had in, in Barcelona, you know, like, you know, for us, it was funny. We didn't want to put any pressure on ourselves, but we're kind of like, geez, if we don't win this, you know, Barcelona's obviously going to be a bit a bit different. But, I mean, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully we won. And then it was just a matter of, you know, we could just, you know, we could just either go and see some, you know, amazing stuff in Barcelona or a great call from James, you know, have a, have a cultural vape out the front of the casino in uh, Barcelona or <laughs> you know, just hang out and have, have, have some beautiful food and sit on the beach and, you know, have some sangria and just have some laughs and talk about things. And it was just awesome. You know, everything that come together, you know, it, it was just wonderful. I can't, obviously you can tell by, by I'm excited talking about it. I just, I can't, can't say how, awesome experience was how grateful i am for the way they come together and just amazing it was and to share it with with the team that we have and 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 yeah carry that for the rest of my life it was wonderful oh that's awesome i yeah, uh, just want to say that the, in the last round uh i don't know if you guys watched it well but i was at work so i could only i couldn't watch it so i was listening and uh well that didn't go very well but like uh <laughs> after moops's game ended they're like, oh, Moose is like sighing. I'm like, oh god. And then like the one of the PV guys is like, that's generally you know a sign of bad. You know, usually the guy who wins fills out the uh, the sheet. So that's you know Corey must have won that game. I'm like motherfucker. And then of course James won the game, and they announced that a little later. And I couldn't scream louder. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, there, was a, there was a guy here picking up some calf milk and he like pokes his head around the corner he's like you okay i'm like oh yeah dude i'm good but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, tough to explain <laughs> yeah but yeah I, I was so happy for you guys so yeah no it's cool man yeah could uh couldn't have a better group of guys i think we were and to, to that point i don't think it could have happened to a better opponent group in the last round yeah, Canadian sure. guys we spent a lot of time with them in the lead up and post and they were all incredibly good players and uh very very good sports like i know i know we are just incredible people come on yeah no, don't sell them short don't sell them short <laughs> we we certainly went into it with um pretty high expectations well not high expectations but we wanted to win but i my uh if i didn't win i sort of my heart was like oh I'd be cool to see Canada get their first win as well because they're all such cool guys but yeah it yeah. kind of just worked out perfectly for us that we got to play them in the final um right. So we established our uh, colonial dominance. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, 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 sorry, I was just going to say very quickly, just on that, it's, it's, and I know these guys obviously making fun of us, but when I was focusing on Canada, but just 
for those in the history books, and unfortunately I know we didn't win 2015, but in 2015, 2016, 2018 and 2022, all the times that Australia made the final and, and or won the final, we had to go through the top Canadian team in each and every one of those WTCs. Mm-hmm. So there's just a bit of history there that there's obviously a pretty good rivalry between us. For the first three years, you guys just crushed them, so it doesn't matter, you know. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, yes, so that was why I, I had them picked it, as we've talked about. Amazing players, amazing yeah, sure. people, always going to respect them, and yeah. um, I'm sure they'll be a force to be reckoned with coming in the future. So, oh, um, I agree. I was, yeah. chatting, chatting and, Go ahead, sir. I was just going to say, and I'm sure it'll only be a matter of time when they win the when they win a WTC. Very, very deserving, particularly those players and those guys in that in that team. So yep. of that yep. of that team that we played in the final. So I had quite a, um, a like a circular experience, which was which was really nice with with Corey in that we bumped into them at the train station in Brussels on the Friday morning, and we're chatting to them for about half an hour before we left. And I was just chatting to Corey, and he goes, "I remember you." I used to look like a fat fuck and I was ready to punch Ben Leeper in the face. And I was like, <laughs> oh. But then we got to know each other like really well. I literally couldn't recognize the guy from when we played in 2014. So that was that was an experience. But then getting to know him about his life, his wife, Rebecca, um, his kids, his gaming experience, etc. It was just really nice. And then got to play him in the final to win the WTC then had beers with him and just like the most gracious, humble, lovely person. Yeah. Um, pretty sure I drunkenly invited him to my wedding and like, <laughs> yes. nice. yeah, like yeah. it was just not nice. nice. full, full circle with him. Nice. Uh, he, he was awesome. I was like, it was a, uh, you know, like I, I am a big fan of that guy too. So. Yeah. I mean, he just sent me photos of him and his wife wearing our hoodies yes. in the middle yeah. of the snow. I got that message. Actually, as we, as this cast is, as this cast started, he said like, "Oh yeah, wearing the wearing the hoodies." I'm like, nice. oh yeah, beautiful man. Yes. Yeah, and they'll be on. Uh, they'll be on next. We're going to talk with them too. I think the the Canadian That's team. Sweet. Be cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I had to step away for a little bit. I don't know if you guys if you guys noticed that. Did you want me to? My, my 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 son took his first steps, so just want oh. to say that. Oh, no. uh, big, fair, fair. Yeah, big thing for me. Anyway, <laughs> carry Wait, on. Literally just now. That's amazing. Just now, yeah. yeah. Oh, Congratulations, buddy. That is so awesome, buddy. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, my wife came Congrats. here screaming. I had to go to the hospital. Nope, he just took his. Uh, he just took a step. So oh, nice. pretty big for me. Anyway, that's awesome. Amazing, mate. Congratulations, Jesse. It's amazing you can walk now. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> You guys know that Jesse's older than me, right? I'm the I'm the younger one. Yeah, of course, man. It's okay. part of the joke. Okay, perfect. <laughs> okay, well, so a lot of people get it wrong. I don't know. Anyways. Well, yeah, Jesse's, uh, Jesse's a very, very attractive man, man. You know, I don't know about that. It's hard to tell a man's age when they're that attractive. You know, I... Oh, I, I oh. You know, I, I, I suffered that same curse myself. So. <laughs> I can That I can believe, but the other, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, are you guys all keen to leave or do you want to keep chatting? Whatever you want to do. Uh, it's a morning. No, it's not like, it's not yeah, like there's yeah. anything better to do right now. Let's go. <laughs> I think, yeah, exactly. I think just, just, just for me, excitingly, I'd like to just talk a little bit about, um, we've obviously got some news about Mark four and some exciting stuff that's coming out. Um, and just me personally, you know, I said 
I was going to take a bit of a break from the competitive war machine, which I am, uh, only because my my interest or not interest, but my attention is going to go to my family. But I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm and I might be just might be wishful thinking, but I'm <laughs> very hopeful that in a few years' time, some Mark IV cricks will come out in some iteration or Team Undead. Everyone knows that when all all, all these. Um, different iterations of games. I'm always the undead guy. If I can be the necromancer in the, if I can be the necromancer, or I can be the death knight. I can be whatever. That's what I'd like to be. Um, and I'm certainly excited for Mark IV. Obviously, the, we saw some re- recent spoilers of some, uh, you know, different lists and, and things that we can take. And the app's going to drop hopefully in a week's time. I personally, um, public announcement, have not read a single Mark IV thing. So. Uh, obviously, that's in my personal time. I'm still kind of riding the riding the wave, and you know, maybe give it a week or two, but then start thinking about some reading some Mark IV and getting some Mark IV happening in our in our local meta and our local community. And um, and yeah, I just wanted to say that I'm really excited for the game. Really excited. Hopefully, PP they made their announcement that they're going to be forming a partnership with um, I can't remember the name of the company, but the the specialists in 3D printing and. I'm really excited for things to start uh, trickling down. And also, the final Mark III send-off <clears throat> being Welfare Weekend, I believe, is in a couple of weeks' time. Um, yep, yep. I'll definitely be watching that. They did invite me. I did have an opportunity to go, but uh, unfortunately, wasn't going to be able to make it this year um, because obviously just coming back from, from yeah. the WTC. But, um, you know, obviously we talked about those Canadian guys and we talked about the American guys. You know, wishing everyone all the best for that welfare weekend, and it'll be exciting. I'll definitely be be tuning in and um, you know watching some streams, and hopefully, uh, hopefully it all goes well and um, see Mark three off with a bang and and get excited sure. for Mark four. So that's all I wanted to say. I'm keen to keep chatting. Wiley, we've been talking about cricks for about an hour, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah or three hours. Something touristy related. <laughs> Go ahead. Excuse me. So um, I sort of touched on the fact that uh, while we were traveling throughout Belgium, that we sort of assigned ourselves these little um, D&D roles. Like nice. we're, a, we're a D&D party. And I said that I was obviously the warrior priest who was also a drunkard because that's me 101. And then um, <laughs> Moose, because he's by far and away the fittest of the group, he would, um, he'd be running forward down streets, making sure we were going the right way. So he was, uh, and he's the, the circle professional. So he was obviously the ranger. So he getting ahead for all those things um sense. and whaley was the leader so we had to assign whaley a role and we're like oh so you're like the noble warrior and he's like i'm not a warrior i'm like okay you're the barbarian you're the big guy i'm not a barbarian i'm a fucking death knight I'm like, dude <laughs> okay. well everything has to be death orientated man <laughs> <laughs> you're meant to be able to have conversations with people lead the party i'm a death knight <laughs> he likes and then uh, I, think, I think chris we assigned like a a, a mage role and um, no, he's, he's a bard. The actual proper class would be more like Felcaller, but you know, same yeah. thing. <laughs> and then uh, Jack was basically, Jack, you couldn't really give Jack a no, role. So. Jack, Jack is hilarious because Jack's one was just like, we, we're trying to do GD classes. He's like, no, no, no. He said, I'm basically the guy from Baldur's Gate 2 where if you start some shit in the Thieves Guild, this guy just comes out of nowhere and kills you. <laughs> That's Jack. <laughs> like, all right, sure, Jack. You're the GM NPC. Congratulations. <laughs> nah, Jack was the level 99 and we were the level that was carrying all us level nines through all the early yeah. dungeon content. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were an anti-bard at one point, Chris. Instead of buffing us, you would just be buffing your opponents. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's what I said. Fell caller. Just shout yeah. down, shout down. So much shout yeah. down. <laughs> Occasionally a bit of a call at dinner time. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, uh, when I introed, I was going to give you guys all nicknames. I had some pretty good ones. Pete, you're obviously the pillar because uh, without you, uh, Grimkin's win percentage was pretty shit. So, Pete, the pillar <laughs> about that for a second because it was 29% oh, without Pete. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's going on there? The well, they're hot garbage and Pete's a god. That's what's happening. I had that simple. <laughs> I'll be honest, I had one goal going into uh, the WGC, and that was to play uh, Brandon Owens. I've, I've not actually met Brandon. Um, he seems like a pretty lovely dude. I've heard him on a number of casts, but I think on he came on to your cast, and he's uh, recorded saying something along the lines of, I have a 100% win record into Grimkin, and Grimkin, <laughs> they're a terrible faction because they've got no dynamic threat range, and I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to play you. <laughs> I'll show you what dynamic threat range is, trust me. <laughs> Well, Wait thankfully, thankfully, Team Magpie uh, showed them uh, showed them <laughs> the boss, yeah. one. So <laughs> they took so, it for us. Zosha sent sorry, well, Zosha sent me many memes during the event, uh, mainly about how shit Jake is. But one of them was, <laughs> you know, you know the meme of the guy at the funeral and he's doing the peace sign over a coffin, like yeah. someone died, and he's like, "What up?" So. <laughs> So we can share this now because it's all said and done. Um, the the coffin was America uh, America making it out of round one, and then the peace sign <laughs> kind of was the WTC. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good one. Uh, lovely. Yeah, well, still technically true because they didn't make it out of round one on the second day. Amazing. But yeah, uh, Batesy, how do you play so well with such a big boat anchor strapped to your back? How does that? How do you do that? Yeah, it's true. I'm just that good. It it's remarkable. Play awesome. So little little whispers have told me Grimkin are getting buffed going into uh, Mark Four. Pete, can you can you if you had to summarize in like one or two sentences or something like what? How do you make it? How do you make Grimkin work? What what do you, what is it? I I know from playing you, but I want to know from you. I think it's two simple words, mate. It's defiled archons. So anyone who uh, <laughs> thinks that we are getting buffed moving into the next edition and we suddenly don't have a defiled archon, yeah, I'd start terrible. <laughs> it was, um, it's a very different thing playing you guys who have played me with Grimkin for all this time. Obviously, you know all the tricks and particularly you know how valuable it is to kill a defiled archon. Um, Target priority number one for I think every single one of our practice games against you guys. You always kill the defiled. Uh, I reckon there's a good reason why I went six and zero oh, uh, in the event, and that is because I did not lose a single defiled in the six games I played. Well, it was stress testing, mate. We basically came up with all the random ways we could to just kill defiled archons. And like, yeah. all right, won't lose to that. And then surprise, surprise, your fucking teleporting ninja wizards did them yep. what they do best. I um I think my my best defiled archon play came from game four into Julian, uh, and Julian was a lovely guy, Julian Lassange from the USA team. Um, and early on we said it was a championship belt, so he he took first turn, he moved up, moved his st stuff up, and then I had uh, the opportunity to get a bit of a CP lead, so my leftmost defiled essentially moved up, and then. Uh, he tagged a Hellfire on the objective on the left, and then he tagged a Hellfire onto uh, the Nemo 4. 
and then he teleported back. And then the one on the right, he uh, tags a random bunny with a hellfire, and he teleported forward to get in stealth range to kill Anastasia Debray and kill her. And then Julian's like, you can't do that. I mean, your other model, it just it made its attacks, then it teleported back. And I'm like, yeah, man, the model's broken. I'm sorry. <laughs> you should really read his card. It's an amazing model. And then I proceeded to get feeble onto uh, Nemo 4, and the, day, the game just went downhill from there. Unfortunately... Julian proceeded then to have some pretty remarkably terrible dice, um, uh, of which he was pretty upset about. But I think he he kind of put himself in a position, I not to um, toot my own horn, but I just felt like I played the perfect dreamer game in that game. And I'm like, man, like you're having bad dice, but you need really really good dice to get back into this game. Was my impression. So, but um, that was that was a dreamer clinic. It was an awesome, awesome fun game. Nice. I was standing, I was uh, standing next to Julian in that game, and I did look over, and he rolled double one followed by double one, and I was like, "Ah, oh, probably." And then matter. he rolled, and then he run, <laughs> rolled double one again. He, he got three, um, three concentric uh, double ones. It was remarkable. But and then the, um, poor, the the poor guy, the poor guy blew up, I think. And then nothing against him, and I appreciate there's a lot of nerves and anxiety, and and you know, obviously you want to do well, but then he 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 reacted. And I must admit, um, when he reacted and Pete was in the middle, so we had two either side of him, when he reacted like that, we all just, we all, well, for me personally, and I think we all, consensus, it just, we all just felt amazing because, you know, Pete's doing <laughs> Pete's thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, seriously, it's, it is, it is just, it's, so that's, I know I've said this a few times, but I can tell you that when you're playing next to one of these guys and they're doing their thing and they're in their element, and because, and in fairness, they've done it a lot of times to us too. So we know how, we know how how everyone else feels, but it just makes you just stand that big taller, or just it's just like yeah, you know, like things are clicking, and you just feed you feed off that positivity, and you it just helps you, you know, it helps you focus. You're like you know, and and that particularly that was telling in that game for me because I was playing JVM, and I'm like you know, and I was doubting myself a little bit, and then Pete's doing this stuff, and I'm like, nah, just stick to the cause, stick to the cause. And it just helps. It's just, and it's just, it's an amazing. I don't want to sound horrible, but it's just an amazing feeling when you know one of your teammates is just, just you know, applying his trade, and it's all just working. Mm. Nice. The, yep. the guys on the team will know, having played me for a long time. I, I used to play a lot of Harbinger, and I used to play a lot of Denial, and I played a lot of um, Osram, obviously, which is a scenario-based caster, and I had just had a broken set of rules. To be honest with you, like. In, in 2018. Um, but I absolutely get total joy by frustrating my opponents. <laughs> like, it's what my real... Uh, I, don't, I don't know why. It's the same in my personal life. I play a lot of um, Twilight Imperium, uh, and mm. uh, my favourite thing to do is just frustrate the heck out of my locals with regards to Twilight Imperium. And when <laughs> Julian... Act of aggression, was... act of aggression. <laughs> when, when Julian was uh, blowing up in terms of his um, disappointment in himself and his dice, I, on the, I, was, I was totally zen, and I just <laughs> tried not to say an absolute word. Because yeah. if I started to talk, I would have just been overjoyed with a level of happiness. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, man. It's beautiful to watch. I looked over and Pete on the outside is like, if it was in a workplace environment, I'm like, yes, very professional. No need to speak to HR. And on the inside, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, 
I've uh, long said that. That was the round I dropped. That was the round I ended up dropping because I like I also, my dice also shat the bed a fair bit. And but I'm just looking at Pete going through this and listening to Julian go, I'm like, all right, well, you know what? This probably doesn't matter then at all, because it looks like Jack's doing Jack things. And if Pete's got Julian that much on, you know, tilt, then I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. And, and and just to Whaley's point before though, like being surrounded by a team that lifts you up and you don't have to babysit anyone is just magic. I uh, it's it, it really yeah, yes. came out in round five when we first when we played France. And and the whole cloud over your head the whole time or the the doubt that you have is have we done the work and the prep are we good enough and round five really evidenced to me when we played into france who they had three Mulvana twos across their five teams i believe yeah. it was mm-hmm. i just looked over i just looked over to whaley this happened twice and i just saw like than ravages crashing in doing their best but crashing into inflictors and doing absolutely nothing while my strangleholds and lokis and hellmouths were pulling apart this this other sky list and we just lo- i just looked over and i'm like yeah we we were right we were ahead same thing in in uh, end of round 3 when Whaley says wait wait watch watch because i'd finished my game against terror and he's playing into worm when he goes just just wait a second just wait a second just watch watch and i'm like oh fuck something good is about to happen opponent ships clock and Whaley goes just confirming wormwood's within 10 of the board edge and your feet isn't up and he's like yep and he puts down these three brute flaws and these brute flaws like daddy this is daddy <laughs> daddy would come to play <laughs> I just look over and I'm like that's, that's my man that's my man executing do unreal the old, the old the old turn five ambush with the old mechanic throw off from the side you know <laughs> you so, forgot about it I, I didn't i didn't forget about no, it no, I, no, your, your opponent did. <laughs> I, I know, he was just it was a tough game and when he came over and i'm like i just said to james just just watch this and anyway and it was just brutal and then and then he's like yep yep and he was a lovely guy like he played really well but um <clears throat> just just again to um touch it I obviously played against James multiple times with his five heavies. This guy had three heavies, three stalkers, and we're playing Wormwood. And I don't know how many times I played that game. And, uh, you know, I had this awesome turn, and then it just came to, yeah, he killed a couple of models. But, um, you know, you just had confidence. Like, you just know the matchup. There's some key points, you know. It's either he does all this work, and even if he does, um, you know, you just make sure that you're in it, you get your models in the right position to counter punch. Um, in this particular instance, he didn't feat, um, and uh, he had Linus or herself come up in a forest and try to do ability. But the problem with it, because I played that matchup multiple times, you know, you can feat with, you can feat with um, Karchev, and you could still walk a heavy four inches and have two inch melee, or you can trample it, you know, to get additional threat range. Um, and when you kill that model, their whole game plan is to think if they can't kill Linus or herself, then um, they're safe, but if you do find a way to kill her, then you're in big trouble. And I was able to kill her and then kill kill two stalkers, and then the game fell apart for him. But, um, you know, again, just that reiteration of, like, I've, I've played this matchup lots of times. I know what I'm looking for. These are my key indicators. You know, if you play a perfect game, it's probably not great for me. But if you unfortunately make one mistake or if the dice don't go for you and you expect to kill this model and you don't kill this model, um, and it's also because it, when we spoke after the game, he said, um, lovely guy. Sorry, I can't remember his name. Um, he said, obviously, he's certainly doesn't try to pay attention to people that he play against because he doesn't want to get overawed against playing against top level players. Um, mm-hmm. But but at the same time, he's like, but you never wavered. You never. There were times where he was just freezing things and blowing things up, and he goes, you know, you never 
you you never wavered from your course of action. You just played consistently through the whole game. And then he said to me, he said, once I knew and I lost out those two stalkers, he said, I knew I was in trouble because I looked at you. And even then when you had the upper hand, you still didn't waver. It just, for us, it was about execution. It was about staying on on focus and just doing what we needed to do. Um, and I mean, particularly, I'm just going to jump over to that round six game when I you know, when I was um, watching Chris play. And obviously I lost, I was a bit disappointed. I, I managed to force a tough roll against Gorton. And, um, and he obviously he obviously passed his tough role and and that was my last attack and and Charles played better than me and, and hats off to him. I heard Mark say to Pete, if I get these, thankfully it was wrong, but he said if I get these two control points, I win the game. So my heart sunk. I thought shit, Pete's in trouble. I knew that James and uh, I knew that James and and Jack had won. So I come down to Chris. I'll tell you, mate, I was an absolute nervous wreck, right? And I come over, and obviously Matt and Chris are playing, and I'm looking at the time, and Matt's got. Matt's got nine minutes and Chris has got two. And I'm, I thought to myself, like, we are fucked here. We are absolutely fucked. And then I think his name was John. I, I actually played, I, I apologize. I played against him in Lock Alone. He was, he was the judge. And it was hilarious. It was actually, and he came over and just put his hand, I was away from the table and he came over and he put his hand, he put his hand on my shoulder. And he, he could just tell, I was almost shaking. That's how nervous I was, right? And obviously I can't show any emotion. I don't want to, and he, I don't want to, Put Chris off his game. He came over and put his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, "He goes, don't worry." He goes, "Chris has got this. Chris is on fire." And you just see the way that Chris was playing. And I'm like, I know a lot of people give Chris shit about freaking timing out and all those kind of things. And Chris has had so many games go to time or really close to time, um, but he just had his turn. He just had his turn, and he just did everything he needed to do. And you know, he's just going through all the phases, and he's doing his stuff. And then, like, as soon as I see Chris, and then I look over and I. What I didn't understand was that they were, they were at, at what I saw that was the top of turn six that Matt had his turn. So Chris effectively had two turns to go. Matt had one turn to go. But Chris was up by three control points. And you just see the way that, you know, Chris goes into Rain Man, as I say it, and he just, mate, he just does his stuff. And then at that stage, just from my personal experience, my emotion from like, I'm not going to say rock bottom, but my emotion from nerves to, to whatever, and then it just completely flipped around to like, oh, my God. And then to kind of <clears throat> let the let the air out of the bag, then, buddy, uh, Pete at the other end of the table wins. Pete wins. And then, oh, I was so ecstatic. And then, and then I felt like screaming at the top of my lungs, and then I'm like, hang on, this game's going. And it was just this whole... <laughs> Just raw emotion that you go through. And then our poor bloody Sam, a guy in our team came over and he asked me, he goes, what's happening? And I actually had to say to him, I said, Sam, sorry, mate, I can't talk to you right now. Like <laughs> the game was still going. I said, mate, I can't talk to you right now. I don't even know what's happening, mate. Like seriously, yeah, it's just that you're trying to deal with all these these yeah. different emotions, all these things happening at the same time. And and just, I mean, in, in reflection, obviously, unfortunately I went down, but just having these guys do their thing and watch them play and just obviously hearing the stories after it and, I mean, you know, very humble from Pete's point of view as well. You know, Pete in his game, and and he was very gracious to his opponent and helping him and doing stuff. Seeing obviously Chris do his thing. You know, same with Jack, same with James. It was just just to be a part of it was just amazing. So, um, hey Chris, do you want to just really quickly recap your final turn uh, against Harbinger? <laughs> yeah, this is some peak me. Like, uh, for anyone who doesn't see me play, like, it, it's been a while since I've had to do low clock, like, quite like this in Mark III, but I, I did it a couple of times. So, this Harvey game is the one I get busted, so, like, 
the simple fact is Harvey has solid Harvey counters solid ground, just purifies it away. But I managed to make a game of it with some pretty much some turbo jam and going as bad as YOLO as I can. But game's grinding down. I have a minute and a half or so left on my clock. And Harvey comes out in the open finally. And I like, I've been waiting. Anyone who was watching me, I was like poised, like basically a diver about to jump off the diving board, waiting for the gun to go off. He flicks the clock. I have to roll six fire and or tough checks for a bunch of models. I then basically had a Spriggan walk up, bulldoze a guy out of the way, shoot a broken flare at Harvey, deviates minimally, goes off, shoot Harvey directly, boost hit, boost damage, do some damage. Then I have three buffs get applied to a mortar in about five seconds. Artillerist, Guidance, and Joe's buff. I walk up, shoot, and Harvey, boost hit, boost damage from fire effect, and she's dead. Thanks for playing. <laughs> like that methodically. Oh, well. oh, oh, wait, a, wait a minute. And then, about, and then we do a back, like, we do a back count. The back count says, oh, Harvey has a bit of health left. I look, I got 10 seconds. Like, okay, Eros walks up, boost hit, boost damage, you're dead. Yeah. And, and it was just, it was like watching, so he had to make about 40 actions in like 60 seconds. And it was just like watching Usain Bolt, like the gun goes and he's like, that's <laughs> <laughs> over the finish line. I was like, that was beautifully done, Chris. Well done. And his, his opponent, being that he was obviously French, I think obviously English, not first language. Uh, and I, us having played Chris before, seeing him, how he plays on low on clock and he's, he's, He's super uh, quick because he is super quick. But having watched that, I'm just like, it was remarkable the amount of shit he got done in like a one minute, 50 seconds. And every single thing he announced and he made the rolls. And I think this dude was just flabbergasted by all the shit that just happened in a two minute period. And he was just like, how the hell did this not happen? So I think he was, he was truly blown away. Yeah. He really was. Yeah. And, well, he goes, oh, yes, she is dead. She is dead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, even though Chris did say that he was bust, in Chris's, uh, this is what I love about Chris, we knew that essentially this was going to happen, but then uh, back to that confidence thing, Chris goes, yep, he goes, we thought this was going to happen, but I'll take this matchup and I'll see what I can do. And you see like, him doing that. You know, again, you can just walk right from that table going, even if we get ourselves in that tough grind, our guys have got a chance to just get us out of it, if that makes sense, you know. And again, that's back to that twenty-eight and two, you know. It's just the situation of of it's just been a pleasure to play with these guys because, yeah, you, you find yourself back against the wall. There's half the chance that they're going to come out swinging and they're going to get the job done. And that's yeah. what we're able to do, you know. Sure. That's what we're able to do. Pete, uh, in your finals game, I've watched it a few times. Yeah, there was a point where the clock was left on one or two boxes, I believe. One your one that almost died. Yeah, yeah. Literally Quickly. one box. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That uh did you ever proc sac or did he ever proc sacrifice? Uh I don't think I have actually proc sacrifice in that game. Um that Mark a wonderful opponent and we it was a really super tight game. Um he had some very early game high rolling dice in terms of killing like the clock on my right. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he left that clock, uh, yeah, literally on one box. And I think if he killed that clock, it was probably, I, I don't know if it was game. Well, actually, to be clear, actually, it was game because he would have scored a third control point uh, right. on that turn. And I think I made uh, a very, very big mistake in that game. Uh, one of the few very large mistakes I made in the um, entire event, and that it sounds stupid, but 
I did an apparition move one of the gremlin swarms on that turn to run mm. and contest his zone. That was the only thing that was going to um, get me there. And my intent was, yes, I was going to lose some CPs, but I was hopefully just going to be able to grind out a game after being able to contest his zone over a continual um, number of turns. Didn't do that, and I think I really played myself into a hole, unfortunately, um, and I allowed Mark the opportunity to probably get in a winning position. But um, he on his turn, when my clock had one box, and I couldn't heal the clock uh, because there was the Gallows Grove close by, so he didn't really do anything. And then Mark then goes and starts his turn, his his penultimate turn, and um, I've obviously got this clock on one box, and I, he knows that I want to sacrifice onto this clock and keep this clock alive. The very first thing he does, he moves up with Hermit, and he uh, ruins, and he master of ruins, and I switch clock, and I think about it really, really long and really, really hard as to whether or not I want to ruin it. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think, and I do ruin it. And I think it's actually the 100% the thing that won me the game because he was able to get ruin on my skinny boy, Arcade Rager, the clock that was just about to die. And yes, I basically am giving my clock away. But the reality is, Mark's such a good player. There was no way that Mark wasn't going to find some way to do that last point of damage on that clock. I was never getting a sacrifice trigger. No, no. I was never going to do it. The reality, like, it, it, it was the smartest thing I probably did in the entire game was to give the clock away. The clock did its job. It stopped him scoring a point on the turn before. Um, and then uh, ruining the Master of Ruin was um, it was big uh, because then he obviously comes in to try to do some work and clear some other models and he has to get his pure blood in to do that. And he can't quite get things done in terms of an attrition swing. <clears throat> so... When that clock, when the clock then gets switched back to my turn, uh, Mark's got four minutes left, and I think I've got quite a bit of time. Like I can't quite remember what it was, but I've watched back that game as well, and I I proceed to make another error in terms of how I want to uh, finalize my turn because I think um, yes, I don't feel as though Mark can win easily, but I didn't necessarily have a mental win condition myself in terms of scenario. Right, right. But I think my win condition was to just actually clock him, stay in scenario and clock him. And I don't think he can win full stop. And I think the slow grind, I probably end up winning on CPs and clock. Um, but there's at one point, you can see me, I proxy out the, um, the base for skin and moans that's going to land on uh, the tree, on Wormwood himself. And I spend quite a bit of time uh, doing that. And uh, we, we come to the realization, Mark and I uh, essentially... I would have to animus and then I'd have to trample and then I'd get two singular attacks on a what was only going to be a power 19 manifest destiny uh moans on his wormwood and I think he had a soul at that point or and I have to end up giving him a soul so uh it was going to be straight dice so I'd need to roll two manifest destiny 10s and uh, I certainly did not like the prospect no. of actually getting that done uh and then very, very graciously, Mark then mentions uh, as well that I would, I've, if I just wanted to charge or um, onto the tree, then Linus Rasol, she's got crit stationary on a weapon. Never knew that was a thing. Never knew. Uh, but that, just the possibility of a crit stationary, I'm like, okay, my game's gone from I'm playing for the win to try to kill uh, Wormwood to suddenly, oh my God, this could be the worst way to lose a WTC ever in my mind. I'm like, <laughs> Crit stationary by um, Linissa. 
So that's why I had to do the trample line. But um, it was really, really gracious of Mark, I think, to mention that. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think he had to mention that. So I really, I very much respect him for that. Um, so then my plan of action was uh, I've just wasted four, four minutes on my clock on this assassination line. And I've got Dreamer literally on zero boxes. Uh, sorry, zero transfers. Uh, all I basically had to do is switch clock and then he's going to run Cassius and he's just going to arc and kill Dreamer, which is 100% the winning play for Mark. Um, so I instead switched gear and my focus of the turn, uh, I try to scramble an ending for the turn. Uh, I then kill Cassius with... Um, with the skin and moans that was going to kill Wormwood. Uh, so that makes it very, very difficult. But then uh, as I switch clock, I try to scramble in terms of scoring a last CP or two, and I don't get it done. Like a, a few um, inconsequential attacks don't go my way, and I potentially I could have easily scored two CPs on that turn, and it just didn't wash out that I did. So when I switched back, it was uh, I, uh, Mark essentially needs three CPs to win. Um, uh, and he then goes about trying to do that. That's when he announced to Wiley, and Wiley heard that, and I assume people were, must have thought I was about to lose. Um, he he's pretty methodical in his approach in terms of clearing the zones that he needs to to score CPs, two CPs, and then he needs to get a um, he needs to get his feral warp wolf onto my objective uh, to to make the attacks and kill and score the last um, CP to win, uh, having killed the objective. But he, he ends up in a position whereby he has to take a free strike from a Defiled and that Defiled then uh, does a bunch of damage, but it also knocks out the, the Kruger 2 buff. Um, so he's oh. negative strength on the objective. And then he takes another free strike from um, a, a tree and then the tree does a heap of damage. And, and I think I, I leave that um, Feral on, I don't know, six boxes from those two free strikes. He doesn't have his upkeep in play, but he's still got Spirit. And at that point, that's when I think I, I paused his clock because he, he basically said that I'm going to concede um, because I can't do it. And I'm like, no, 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 dude, that's ridiculous. Just roll it out. I know it's poor odds to actually get it done and, and, uh, and destroy it, but it would be a terrible thing for him to have not had at least in yeah, his try. mind a final opportunity to try and yep. win. Yep. So I said, I think he had six seconds on his clock and I'm like, dude, just roll your attacks. Like that... In hindsight, if that cost me the WGC, it would have made me feel terrible because I, uh, I sort of said, let's board your clock. But realistically, I think it was the right thing to do. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and can I just mention one thing that you may or may not have intentionally glazed over, Pete, but also, too, when he finished moving his model, he didn't appreciate that the, the Archon had Dispel. So the Feral wasn't within one inch of the objective. He moved him because he assumed that he'd have two-inch melee. So Pete was also very grateful to allow him to go within one inch of that objective as well. So I, I I feel two extremely good players at the top level showed each other great um, respect. And also in terms of that um, that that uh, free strike from Lanissa explaining that she had crit stationary and then the flip side from Pete about encouraging him and allowing him to put his model within the range of the objective and then also to roll his dice. So I think that was probably, I mean, we were fortunate. We obviously won that game, um, but I just think it was very graceful for, for for both people to display that at the top level tables in in a War Machine World World Team Championship. So hats off to both those guys. Yeah, for sure. That's crazy. Yeah, great sportsmanship. Uh, Moops, how did you uh, how did your game end with Corey? Because we couldn't see it on the stream. I know you assassinated him. How did you do that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so. 
I, I noticed an interesting phenomenon in the event where people would give Wormwood first turn, and with Wormwood plus Wolves of Orbros ambushing, uh, when he could feed on turn two, ambushing 14 inches from the side, and kill box, it gives your opponent a very small little rectangle that they can play in. Uh, and I can't remember if he gave it to me or not, but it, I think in my other two games with Wormwood before that, uh, sorry, three, one, I chose to go first, the others I... Uh, I was given first. And I think he gave me first. Yeah, I'm almost certain he gave me first. Anyway, so uh, I move up. He moves up. I My turn two, I get a free... Um, this is really a game of who makes less mistakes. And he gave me a he gave me Barnabas's Swamp uh, wrestler guy uh, for free. And he said, yeah, I'll take that trade any day. But then I ended up feeding on top of Loki uh, to protect him and really prevent his army from getting in uh, and get, got a good Lenissa up in his face uh, to say like, okay, you better, you better rush me. What I didn't appreciate was Veil of Mists uh, gives you Pathfinder when you touch it. And so while I had Winterstorm on a lot of his army, um, I, he was able to give his key pieces Pathfinder as well as um, I failed a stranglehold on Ninja Pig uh, and I needed a boosted eight and I rolled a seven and uh, and I hadn't put Puppet Master on, on Wormwood. So, sorry, a little bit too detailed, but the story, the the, the key paint points being that um, he sort of started to trade uh, favorably as a result. We both made a couple of mistakes, um, but bottom of turn two, uh, bottom of turn three, um, he was able to take out my remaining heavies, whereas I'd only really taken out about half, but I was up on scenario. So I started my turn four with 10 Fury on Cassius, but no battle group. <laughs> and I said, right, I need three points to win because I was up by two at that point. I was able to score my own zone with Wormwood. Um, Hellmouth off uh, objectives uh, or, or away from flags, key pieces such as little... Um, Gobbers and uh, Barnabas by putting shifting stones in perfect spots. Um, and I, I managed to do that, and the ambushing wolves of Orberos came on and cleaned up anything uh, that uh, was left to contest. And so I ended up hellmouthing to clear up one flag, then um, dark pathing Wormwood back into my zone, and then doing a second hellmouth onto a, onto a uh, stone to get. Barnabas zero and any other contesting pieces away from the other flag. I then ran solos to the flag, uh, and and Corey goes counter charge stop, and I'm like, what? What has counter charge? He's like, no, nah, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> in like in like the final movements of a W2C, that's pretty uh, pretty crazy. Um, and then the the issue was I also had a Lenissa issue. I had to run past his Lenissa with uh, Cassius to contest his zone to win the game, and um, and so Kruger Kruger Zero ended up sniping her out of the way. What a legend! And uh, Cassius yeah. ran into his zone, like threaded the needle, ran into his zone, and I got up seven two with no battle group. So honestly, well, I think I should have lost that game. It's a game of who makes more mistakes. I made some bad ones. Corey made less, but more significant ones, such as mm. not contesting on the bottom of three, which allowed that that even even gave me that out in the first place. The other thing was I spent um, I spent 
probably 10 minutes too long, both in round four against Watt and round six against Corey, uh, thinking about an assassination that I think was on the table, but after I did some numbers, it was it was pretty bad odds. So um, like 50%-ish as opposed to, you know, 90%. So ended up saying, okay, not doing that. And then when that happens and you're down, you know, 10, 15 minutes on clock, you're just not in a position you ever want to be in. So normally I'm okay at sort of threading those pieces together, but in both situations it was just too difficult. Too difficult. So got got I, I would say got lucky to 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 win that one. Yeah, pretty cool though. Damn, pulled it out right I at mean, the end, man. I mean, we all make mistakes, and and making them on the WTC final table is uh is never good. But no, that's a rough know, one. Revisiting that same spot seven years later and pulling out a win instead of a loss in a in a tough situation felt uh, vindicative. Redemption. Redemption. Moops yeah. are redeemed. That's your epic. And I just gotta and I just gotta say quickly, thank like without this team it wouldn't have happened. So thanks to the yeah. boys. And... Well yeah. um at every step along the way, I, I think you guys mentioned this on a different cast, but I'll just reiterate it. Um at every step along the way, Whaley was very uh considered about making sure we had everything in perspective. We were there to have a holiday, you know, it was all we weren't there to go to win. Uh, well, it, the value of the trip wouldn't hinge upon whether or not we won the WTC or not, so to speak. Um, uh, and I'm like 100% behind that. Jack's got different views because, you know, if you're not first, you're last. That's Jack's motivation. That's right. Uh, but <laughs> it, was, it was pretty much always, nah, dude, I don't care what you're saying. I 100% want to win. And the reason why I want to win is I want to win for James. So yeah, yeah. Mm, good Nice. Well, yeah, that was, that was good luck. Good luck, me. Yes, it was my third WTC. But really, what we there <laughs> was to equalize the amount of WTC wins between the lot of us and James. It was about high time you got something to make up for that fourth place trophy you had in your cabinet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and yes, yes, we did it. We fucking smashed it, and couldn't have been happier. No, well we, all, we all knew what was happening. It was just funny on the on the Saturday night. We got back to the room at one point and we were 15 nil at this point. I'm like, hey guys, that's pretty good. Like 15 nil can't get much better than that. And Jack goes, it's literally your job. Don't get too happy. I was just quickly going to say that I know that we had a couple of team meetings and I and because I just didn't want people. And to be fair, probably more myself than anything, but I just didn't want people to. You know, get overall with um, expectation, pressure, and all that kind of stuff. And I was, and 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 James in 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 particular, and he 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 verbalised that very early on to say that you know we don't want to make this all about James trying to win the WTC, but then privately when there was just the four of us without James, I said this is fucking totally about winning this for James. So it was funny just to, (laughs) but I mean, as we've all alluded to in terms of we were, it was great because you know one of my biggest messages was that. The result wasn't going to define us. Even if we didn't win, we we're still going to have an amazing time. Very much easier said than done. And I know we touched on it before about we were just so happy the fact that we won. So traveling to Barcelona together was just absolute cream on top. But um, the way that we all handled it, and, and we all do things in different ways. Um, I know that James and I had a couple of heartfelt conversations about, you know, this doesn't define us in our lives and where we're at, and um, which, is, which is great, you know. And that's another thing too about our team. You know, we all have so much great, mutual respect for each other that you know sometimes you know people can have those heartfelt conversations with me sometimes i can have those with them you know we're all supporting each other um but yeah definitely for us it was just um you know we we 
were so ecstatic the fact that it just fell in our favor but we also just uh managing our expectations managing everyone else's expectations um you know and just handling handling the, uh, the whole event in the way that we did it and and i think too that i mean this this goes to say with all the other countries as well is that you know we we obviously um took in that tag as as being favorites but were very gracious and 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 had some amazing opponents, some amazing games, you know. And that's another reason why it's such a great event. Uh, you know, fortunate enough, that's been my fifth. Um, you know, I loved going to that event. It was great to see people I hadn't seen for four years. Um, and also too, it's great that this might you know sound a bit bit odd because I probably downplay myself personally um, more than than what's deserved. But it's just a very humbling when when you get to talk to people, and I said this before on another cast, but definitely Robert Melkic, and I had a great chat with him and Thomas and Conrad, and, you know, they're both, well, all of them, all those teams, and, you know, we, Germany and Poland, we've got great rivalries. We huge respect for those guys, um, and, you know, and, and they tell you that, that, that they want you to win and they expect you to win and, and you know, and they're really just gracious, they're really gracious in, in our victory and our, our success and, you know, and it's just it's just a great feeling to be around those people to be able to share those experiences with them and and that's the, that's what makes the whole event, in my opinion, is just amazing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like we're uh, wrapping it up, probably about there. It's been a, a couple hours, but uh, yeah, for just a, to to end it out, I want to say that we Jess and I have been uh, you know, we kind of grew up listening uh, to podcasts with you guys on it, so we've been big fans of yours for a long time. And uh, it was pretty cool to see you guys pull it through. Uh, I mean, Chris, for the third time, what a weapon. The most active player in the world. I think that uh, can, can definitely be said. Um, well, yeah, for Oops, I was, we were, we were, I was elated when you, you finally got to, to win that one. So it was pretty cool. Congratulations again. You guys are uh, what a group of guys. You guys are welcome on um, anytime. So thanks for, thanks for coming on and talking to us. Thanks so much for having us, mate. It's been amazing. So we appreciate it and your support, um, you know, and, and we obviously felt, you know, it was great from you guys. You know, we knew you were in our corner and, I mean, obviously supporting everyone, but there's something special about, you know, knowing that you guys are rooting for us as well. So thank you very much. I mean, Jesse, you saw about half of our practice games as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, no uh, the question for you guys, when are you coming down under? Uh, one of the spiders in <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be there next week. <laughs> no, I would love to go. My my wife, uh, it's one of our, our big destinations is uh, to get to New Zealand. I thought, well, I might as well just make a stop uh, in Australia on the way. So maybe we will see you guys. Maybe not next year, maybe the year after. But let's see. Yeah, well, your boy can walk now, so there's no excuse. Yeah, oh, exactly. my God. He's been, I've been getting text messages ever since then. He's, took, he's taken 20 steps. <laughs> yeah, so I got to get out there. I got to see this. It's probably good Jack isn't here because he'd say he's like, okay, cool. Why isn't your boy running yet? It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the motivation he needs uh, to, get, to get to the next level. That's the funniest thing you've ever said, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Any, uh, any final thoughts from you guys before we close it out? No, just from me, mate. Hopefully, Crick's Mark Four, three or four, five years, maybe be return of the big whale. We'll see how we go. Yeah, cool. I think for a lot of us, it's basically we're not sure what capacity we we'd be there next year. But if it even happens, given basically a lot of us have real life commitments, we've been sort of putting it off to go play toy soldiers, which has been good fun. But 
I definitely don't think this will be my last WTC, and I don't think it'll be the last WTC for any of us either, despite Whaley's attempts to say that he's retired. He's like, you know, <laughs> he's going to be a coach or something, a family man. It's like, no, Whaley, I'll see you around. <laughs> I'll see you on the team soon enough. Yeah, that'll be good. No, just just real quick, personally, I'm super excited for Mark IV. Going to be enjoying some board games, some various video games, card games. I'll still be around. Cool. Beatty. Uh, yeah, I'll still be playing, but uh, I'm 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 maybe uh, contemplating a little bit of retirement, like Whaley is, just to get my um, see my spend a bit more time with my wife and uh, my career and whatnot. But uh, you know, once the band gets back together, we'll see. <laughs> Nice. Nice. It's when truly things will happen. It's just like, all right, the band's getting back together. Watch out, everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well you know, you guys got to give other teams an opportunity too. So, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually just, just very quickly. That was something that, that Tom I said it was funny. He said, uh, we're all excited for Mark Four because. We've all come to the conclusion that as you, we, you can't beat Australia in Mark in Mark Three, so we're all excited. <laughs> yeah. For Mark IV, so. uh, yeah. Uh, it's been a it's been a fairy tale ending, honestly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Where do we go? Cool. So thanks, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, you can look to uh, we're going to do a, a Mark Three retrospective with the Whaley coming up pretty, pretty soon with the Whaley and Nigel. So uh, all, all right, right, guys. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks everyone. Thank you. It's been great. Cool. All we'll right. Catch y'all later. Yes, guys. Take care. Get up on the Oz machine. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> well, give me a home among the gum trees with lots of plum trees. <laughs> well, it's not far down to paradise. At least it's not for me. If the wind is right, you can sail away and find tranquility.
I gave him the, he has the rights to pop in, so we should see that we're all in here once he wakes up and jump in. Yeah, cool. Come in! I'm wearing my um, Team Australia hoodie. Nice. nice. I gave my Team Australia hoodie away. Glory. Well, oh, I, didn't know, <clears throat> I didn't know clothes were required, but I'm sitting in nude. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys, if you Maybe guys... I should go put on my... Team Canada oh, jersey, yeah. considering <laughs> I basically traded mine to Corey, and Corey messaged me this morning telling me he already put use of it, so let's go. Put use of it? What does that mean? I don't know. I, ironically, <laughs> Corey messaged me this morning, and he said he already put mine to good use as well, so who knows? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know. Is he using it as, like, one, like a... Like, you know how some people use a single sock for something? Is he using entire <laughs> <laughs> sweater? <laughs> dropping loads off. Cool. So if you want, if you wanted one man in the community to do it, it'd be Corey. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jess ran the one with the Norwegians, so I'm not sure what his structure was. So he'll probably do more of the running this this go around. But I imagine. Oh, I just uh, we just kind of. I don't know. I kind of ran through like they didn't have uh, an extensive matrix like you guys did, so I kind of just chatted with them about what theirs was, and they kind of uh, picked select teams. They thought it was a little like they were kind of out of the loop, I guess. With the, I don't know if they don't really play online very much or not. I don't think so. So they didn't really know what the meta was going to be like. So that's what they almost uh, talking structure wise for this episode. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. But that's what they were going through. So we could talk about you guys' matrix if you want. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> we'll figure it out. We won't do much talking. Yeah, you, Wait, you, yeah. you, you guys just lead the way. You can talk about your matrix. You can talk about the uh, your okay, if you guys had, if you want to talk, you want to talk about a vacation, whatever y'all did. I don't care. You guys yeah, romance in Spain. Oh. I think I think for us it'll be we've obviously done a couple of the casts as well. So rather okay, than yeah, yeah. Right, rather than to repeat the same. Uh, that same content, I think for for us, it's probably good to focus on our trip in terms of leading up and, you know, getting there and the week beforehand and cool. definitely a bit of our preparation. And as I said, we can go into our talk about our our, our, our grids and everything we did in that regard. And okay. then obviously some highlights. If you guys have got any questions, jump in. And uh, obviously because there's, 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 there's a lot of us, so I'm sure apologise in advance. There might be a few... People talking over each other, but we'll we'll stumble our way through it. I'll, yep. I'll fix it in post. As no always. Problem. All good. So, <clears throat> obviously, 
you know, the the event's over, but I'll assume that I'm still the team captain, so I can uh, obviously <laughs> kick off. And so, the, so that um, we were quite lucky. I mean, everyone I think knows, we started it, yet, Whale. Yeah, hold oh, on. Let me, go, let, me, let me shout us in real fast, okay? Everybody good? Okay. Go for it. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Oh fucking my protege moves. Jesus Christ! All right, okay. Oh my God, unbelievable. Okay, fucked it already. I expected that of Chris, but not you. Okay. Hello and welcome. Pulling that team captain's head into line. Jesus Christ! Okay. 